And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. You are about to hear just an incredible program. Great information tonight. And, uh, you know, this issue with fake news, ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm going to tell you something. This is the story of the year um, because it ties everything together. This is kind of the uh, bottom line, in my view. The bottom line objective is to censor the truth, to uplift the lies, to lie by commission, to lie by omission, to cover the criminality of the people inside the beltway and the powers throughout the globe. I'm coming out swinging tonight. You know, honestly, if there was ever a time, if there was ever a show that I just didn't feel like doing, it's right now. How's that for an admission? You see, because you get beat up, and you get beat down, and you get told to shut up, and you get told to, well, you know, the lies, the uh, inclusion on lists, the um, the attacks, the relentless attacks, it causes a lot of, it just causes you to be tired, doesn't it? And and I'm just being truthful. It it just does. And then you've got these uh, these. Um, you know, it, it's it's one thing to be attacked by the individuals who you are investigating. For example, the David Brocks of the world, the powers that have the deep pockets and the power and influence all throughout the world. That's that's. You know, they've got endless resources. They've got all kinds of uh, uh, assistance, co-conspirators, things that are taking place behind the scenes. And, and that's fine. Okay, they can attack. They can attack and they do attack. And it's another thing to be attacked by by just these ankle-biting, idiot, moronic... Uh, and and I, was, I was... When I spoke with Steve again this morning, I said, you know what, Steve, I... I really believe that we are moron magnets. In a lot of cases, I don't know. In a lot of cases, I think that we, that we, uh, that we are moron magnets. Uh, and I'm not speaking to our audience. I'm speaking to those people who, who, uh, are about those people who just decide to, out of whole cloth, just, uh, just come out and uh, create the vicious, vicious lies and, and then, and then spread them with that with impunity, and, and it's sad. It really is sad. And, and, and not only is it sad, it it, um, it takes away from the overall movement, the overall. It, it when you're fighting the, on the front lines against an evil empire like the globalists, and then you've got these ankle biting uh, ankle biters that do nothing but uh, create havoc and chaos, Captain Chaos. And mistress chaos and such, you know, it, it makes you wonder. Makes you wonder why. Makes you dig a little deeper. Makes you dig, 
cause to dig a little bit deeper and to find out who's who's really behind these things. But we're it all comes back to at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, it all comes back to good versus evil, in my view. It comes back to getting the truth out there, fighting the fight, and fighting it well. I mean, going all in. And ladies and gentlemen, we are all in. Because that that is only for a moment, of course. It's only for a moment when you say, ah, is it really worth it? Then what you have to do is you got to get up and dust yourself off and to realize that, yeah, it is worth it. Because what's the alternative? So a message to you, the listeners, Joe, J.D., Eric, John, Jackie. Hi, all J's, right? It's a conspiracy of J's. We are all You in. and Eric are the only non-J's. No, Eric. So Eric the tech. We're going to call him Jerk. There you go. Eric the tech. He's, but, but see, we are all in. And, uh, we're all, <laughs> we're all in for this fight. Everything we got, we're putting forward, we're all in, and no one is going to deter us. And yeah, you know, it's okay. And see, it's okay, folks, for you, for us, to say, wow, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired. It's okay to be tired. It's just not a destination. It's just kind of a stopping point. You get up and you dust yourself off and say, okay, let's, let's, uh, all right, I got my second wind or my third wind or my tenth wind. But see, here's a message. The war is on. We are engaged. Now, when I say the war, I'm talking about the censorship. I'm talking about the, the, the fake news accusations. Hillary Clinton came out. Did you see that speech? I didn't have a chance to print it out. She, they, uh, decried the spread of fake news online, calling it an epidemic that Congress should take action against. And, you know, they will attempt to, or the powers that be will attempt to. YouTube is already doing it. Twitter is already doing it. They are censoring the truth that we are trying to get out. They're wiping all remnants of Pizzagate. They're wiping and censoring all remnants of uh, Podesta emails. They're, they're changing the narrative. This is the fight in which we are engaged. And if... no, And, and if... if if the alternative media does not fully engage this this operation, this coordinated attack on the truth, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have a chance. With us tonight is Dave Hodges. He's going to spend the next, well, the first hour with us. You talk about a beacon of truth. That man is a beacon of truth. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on the Global Star Radio Network, another conduit to the truth. I want to thank Global Star Radio Network for carrying our program. Also, live stream on YouTube for how long, we don't know. Maybe this episode might be the last on YouTube. Alternatives are out there. Just understand that. It's been a long time. We are spending time and effort for alternatives. Folks, Portions of Night's broadcast brought to you by omahasteaks.com that's omahasteaks.com you want if you're looking for a christmas gift what better christmas gift can you offer anyone than omahasteaks.com 
com. Go to OmahaStakes.com, put HH in the search bar. More on that later. Joe, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, good opening. And we have Hodges, Dave Hodges from the Common Sense Show, which is here live on Global Star Radio Network, 8 to 11 Eastern uh, Sunday nights, each and every Sunday night, and thecommonsenseshow.com. Dave, it's great to have you on. That's great to be with you guys. What a way to spend a Thursday evening. We, we, for those listening, we actually had to duct tape them and, and, and duct tape them and, and actually <laughs> duct tape a, no. a microphone to them. No? I'm here. I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm willing, yeah. I'm, I'm here and ready, ready to go. And uh, man, oh man, I, there's so much to talk about. I was uh, interviewing Paul Martin the other day on a podcast. And I said, well, Paul, where would you like to start? And he says, there's so much going on, I don't know where to start. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. That's, that's true. But I, I well, think what you opened with uh, is very timely because I want to address it, too. In fact, I, I had an email exchange with Steve on this today as well about the fake news. And, of course, now the yeah. Washington Post is admitting it's fake news came from a fake news source. And what I'm talking about specifically is the Washington Post linking to a site which makes it their article, and they told um, um, the public that yours truly and 199 of my colleagues are fake news artists, sure. and uh, we're Russian agents, and I'm still waiting for my first check from Vladimir Putin. And uh, <laughs> it's it's craziness what's going on out there. And then House Bill uh, is passed now, 6393, I believe it is, uh, basically says that if you say things we don't like, and I'm paraphrasing now, we'll call you a Russian agent and shut you down. That, that's effectively, when you get to the bottom line, that's what they're saying. Um, they go through a well, little fancy language. Yeah. yeah you, you, um, oh, well, I got my, my check in rubles, um, so I'm good there. And I know Steve got paid in the rubles as well. So yours is coming. I'm sure it just got tied up. But, 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 well, I'm sure you, I'll get paid in vodka, but I don't even drink. So There you go. <laughs> But but yeah, you know we joke, but this is not funny. I mean, this really is not no. funny. This, this this is actually deadly serious, and this is the way to to, to shut us up. Um, Doug, I had a conversation today with one of my better sources, and uh, he told me what's coming out of Silicon Valley, and this is where they're meeting to hatch all their plots. They being the mainstream media. And they're partnering with uh, the owners of social media now, the, the Facebooks, the Snapchats. Uh, you, you mentioned YouTube. Uh, yeah. In fact, YouTube has a real interesting program. It's called the Hero Program. And they're going to hire these people to go around to the various YouTube sites. And if they don't like you, they'll just shut you down. And they're going to hire people as young as 13 years of age. So we're going to have 13-year-olds making judgments on the Hagman and Hagman Report and the Common Sense Show. Uh, this is, yep. I, I never thought we'd see this. This is just, wait, you know, Doug, here's what I wish they'd do. Shut the hell up, stop playing the games, and just censor us. Just do it. Stop playing games. Russian spies. Yeah. Steve and well, I had an email exchange today about um, launching a coalition to sue the Washington Post for the allegation they made that was totally false. And so we're going to be looking into that. Yeah, there was um, uh, one of those sites that uh, are on the, the Washington Post article uh, linked from there actually did threaten or um, took legal action 
and that in turn made the Washington Post put a disclaimer at the bottom of the article stating how right. that wasn't I, their site and they're not affiliated with those views and they're are not confirming anything. So I guess um you know when when one of the sites pushed back the uh, Washington Post kind of you know took their foot off the gas and put up that disclaimer. And then you know to see what Hillary Clinton says today, you know she said the epidemic of malicious fake news and false propaganda that flooded social media over the past year, it's now clear that the so-called fake news can have real-world consequences. Clinton said during her speech on Capitol Hill, uh, obviously the left has been arguing that the spread of anti-Clinton fake news online contributed to her loss in the election to Donald Trump. But if anything, the, the fake news was coming from the mainstream media from in the form of uh, false and, and uh, altered polling, yeah, and and, and Dave, uh, attacks on out. Trump, yeah, and we've talked we've talked about this for months leading up to the election. Well, it's 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 worse than that. It's blatant censorship, and and Hillary wants to blame us for her loss. Well, I guess I'll be happy to take some credit, but the real reason she lost was one, she's a liar; two, she's a moral degenerate. Three, she's a murderer. And these events manifested in things like Whitewater, Travelgate, Vince Foster, Benghazi. I mean, should I continue, Hillary? That's why you lost the election. You're a moral, degenerate, Satan worshiper. That's why you lost. You just gave me the ammunition to use against you. You could not be more right than that. You know, you've led the point in many areas with respect to Clinton. And, and uh, I, well, I like to think it's been a collective effort. And, of course, it's uh, divinely inspired. God inspires and, and leads and directs. But in uh, God's divine hand in all of this. But, but you know, we, we put forth the uh, shoe leather effort down here, the grassroots effort. So, um when we spoke Amen. over the weekend, you know, this past weekend, and you're you're just there's so much going on. You got the the election um, that was that elected uh, Trump. Are, are we clear of that? L- l- let's kind of go back to this. No, uh, we are okay. not clear of that. Right. And I want to make this crystal clear. When we spoke on Sunday afternoon, prior to my show starting. I told you I was still concerned about the recounts because although Pennsylvania, top of the page for the Secretary of State elections page for Pennsylvania was saying it was over, but they had a word up there that said unofficial. And when you went down to the bottom of the page, right above the phone number contact information, it kept updating and updating and updating every three minutes. Well, they're not done counting. Now, I do think that Trump is going to clear the hurdle of the recounts because the recounts have showed just how criminal this election was. Hillary did not win the popular vote. She stole millions of votes. I'll just use one example. Seven million votes got cast by three and a half million people in two different states who were Democrats who were double registered. And that's just one example of many I could use. I mean, I estimate that as many as 15 to 20 million votes were fraudulent. Trump won this election in a landslide. Now, he has cleared the recount hurdle, in my humble opinion. 
Well, we, and, no, and you're but, talking about you're talking about the popular vote recount. So, well, obviously that's yeah, 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 yeah. Is. I think he's cleared. I, yeah. yeah, I think he's cleared that hurdle. I do want to say a word though about uh, Jill. No one really knows who she is. Stein. Um, oh, I, I had this. contact I with. Uh, oh boy, this is this is good. <laughs> well, I've been talking to a reporter who's written for Breitbart and written for WorldNet Daily. Her name is Sherry. And she's got a great last name, Hodges, no relation. <laughs> Although she's such a good writer, I'd be proud to claim her as one of my family. But uh, Sherry very articulately downloaded me on her investigation into Jill Stein. No one can find out who she is. What, she, what Sherry did find was in 17, she was living in Paris only because of uh, a, um, she had a passport. And that came out. But... Uh, Hold on to your hats, folks. This is going to get really good. <laughs> We're accused of being Russian agents, yours truly. Yet mm-hmm. it was Jill Stein that went to the Kremlin during the election cycle and met with Vladimir Putin. That, that's a 100% confidence call on that event. And her, oh, you're going to love this, her parents and grandparents... They are. They may as wear wear hammer and sickle emblems on their clothing, because they are hardcore communists, as is Jill Stein, and her parents go back to the days of Bernadette Dorn and Bill Ayers. And if you've listened to Doug's show or my show for any length of time, you know where this is going. These are the criminals who ran the Weatherman Underground. They were infiltrated, um, and they were outed for launching Barack Obama's political career. Bill Ayer still visited the White House during Obama's time in the White House. And her parents are affiliated with this group. They are hardcore communists. And Stein, and Doug, you don't know this. This is something I've learned since we talked. Stein and Clinton are joined at the hip. They have a long association going back through international terrorist ties. And the international, this isn't from Sherry now, this is from another source of mine. Um, Going back to some of these arms deals that have been well publicized, you know, pay for play, and if you're a terrorist state, you'll get arms. And if you give to the Clinton Foundation... Well, good old uh, Jill was is involved in this. Okay. Um, she, she's an HSBC baby, and I'm still getting information on this. But in case you're wondering, what do I mean by HSBC baby? Well, I, I had really good source. We actually got more than one, but one excellent source, John Cruz, former senior vice president of HSBC, who was trying to break up the money laundering exercises. He's the one where I discovered it was James Comey, who was on the board of directors for HSBC when they were laundering this money into the Clinton Foundation. You know, this is why he would never go after her. I mean, she, Clinton goes down, she go, he goes down. But Jill Stein is on the periphery of all this. I keep coming across her in various things, but let's just suffice this to say right now, we don't know who she is. I, I think she very well may be a CIA cutout. That would be my guess. I mean, but we can't... I mean, where'd you go to high school, Jill? Who'd you go to the prom with? I mean, the same kind of questions we can't get answered from Barack Obama, Doug. You know, who was your basketball coach, Barack? Uh, uh, who, what kind of girlfriend did you have? Did you ever go out to uh, get pizza anywhere special where the people would know you? Why aren't his classmates talking about him? Because well, he didn't have any. 
And I'm starting to find the same pattern with Jill Stein. So that's, that's interesting. Amazing. Yeah, and folks, it is. I just want to tell people to understand that that Barack Obama's past is murky. It's murkier than everyone has been led to believe. Most people know that. However, there's still a segment out there, and, and I, I would urge everyone listening to this to understand that n- not everyone that's listening is up to the same knowledge level as you know most of you. So, yeah, but that's very interesting. Jill Stein, of course. Okay, so we don't know much about her, but was well, she's a she's a um, she's a political failure in from her home state. What she, she's nothing more than a council member, a city or council member or something, or, or is that yeah, something we'll, that, we'll or, she's nothing. She couldn't even okay. raise a million dollars for her campaign, but yeah. she managed to get five million dollars for the recount. Or actually, I think it was up to seven at one point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> So, you know, but anyway, back, back to the original question. I'm sorry I digress. I just thought Jill Stein was an, an interesting point here. But, um, you know, there were two hurdles that Trump has to, well, actually there's several, but two major ones that are right in the forefront. The recount, surviving that, but then more importantly, the electors. Now, this is where it gets really, really dicey. There are 15 electors who have come out on record saying they will not vote for Trump. Fifteen. All right. That means All right. if they find 22 more, that Trump will have less than the 270, and we'll have a constitutional crisis. And Katie, okay. bar okay. the door. Anything can happen. Now, Doug, for what I'm hearing and what I'm getting, I think I think getting the 22 is a real possibility. Okay. I'm not going to sit here and give you Vegas odds. Let me just share with you. I, I, I talked to Ken Clark this afternoon. He's a Texas elector. And, gosh, I'm speaking, you know, without taking notes here because I was driving. But I think he told me he's gotten around a 1,000 communications. And I've encouraged him to go back or get someone to go back and really chart them for inducements and bribery and all this stuff. And he didn't have any overt examples of that. But he did say extreme pressure. And and no one's encouraging them to vote for Trump. In fact, it's all quite the opposite. The pressure on these electors is intense. Now, I can take the number from 15 to 16 because, and by the way, if this person votes this way, I will out them on the air. If this Republican elector who has been offered a bribe that was brought to me by someone in the Republican Party, a former office holder, if this person... Um, turns their vote into a Hillary vote or a non-vote for Trump, you'll hear me screaming their name at the top of my lungs. I may even put their address out there because they're committing treason against the... It's not the same one I know from... Arizona. Okay, no. All right. Go on. Okay. All right. Arizona. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm getting stories out of Colorado, too. That's another... Yeah. Another deal I'm working on here. And and honestly, I've kind of given up trying to tally... Because some of these end up being rumors that go down blind alleys. But I will tell you, there are, gosh, what did I figure out? I think there's somewhere between 110 and 115 electors that are up for grabs that a lot of people think could be compromised. And, and out of that, they only got to get 15. All right. Well, let's, let's say that happens. Let's say that Trump does not get the requisite 270 electoral votes. Uh, then it goes to the House, 
for and then the House and uh, for the presidency, and then the Senate for the vice president. What makes you think, David? I'm just asking this: um, that Trump would not achieve a victory in the House and Pence in the Senate for the same reason that Paul the Rat Ryan is already undermining Trump's agenda. And let me be very, very specific, and I have this on very good authority. In fact, I've read it now, and I'm not the only one who has this information. Uh, Ryan has basically said to Trump, you know, hey, go after Obamacare. God bless you. That's great. Uh, go after tax reform. To a point, we'll support you. Don't you touch those free trade agreements. And here's why. It mm-hmm. matters not whether you be libertarian, independent, democratic, republican, if you're in the House or the Senate, chances are you your campaign is largely bought and paid for by the corporations who make money on shutting down factories in this country, unemploying and bankrupting Americans, sending those factories overseas for cheap labor source, bringing them back in here to sell the products, undercut further American manufacturers, driving them out of business, and we still pay a little nifty price at the store. Why they make money hand over fist, why they destroy the American economy, and they are greasing Congress, and they've done it constantly. Paul Ryan is greased up to his eyeballs. And if this gets into the House, they want the gravy train to continue. They don't care about Republican. They don't care about Donald Trump. He's a Republican. They care about the fact that they want the gravy train to continue. Right. So I don't think Trump stands a chance if this gets in the House. Um, Interesting. Personally, Trump could Trump could bypass the House, from what I've been told, by filing a constitutional challenge to the elector process. And I guess there have been irregularities. Ken Clark did not give me details, but he said enough that I'm com- comfortable in saying this. And this conversation took place 30 minutes ago. Ken, when I first uh, uh, contacted him, it was returning a phone call. He can't talk right now, Dave. I'm on a conference call. He calls me back. I'm on with other electors. That's who I was talking to, and and he said things are really hairy. This and is that a, tells no, this, me I know this gentleman. I know this gentleman, D- D- yeah, Dave. Hold, a, hold, yeah. Hey, hang on a second. We're at the bottom. We're at the we're at the break. Dave Hodges, the Common Sense Show. You've got to check out his website, bookmark it, check it every single day. Read what Dave Hodges is. is talking about watch his video snippets the news uh video news uh uh you've got it you and subscribe common sense show you've got to we have a link to it right here from the hagman and Hagman report so lucky to have him tonight yeah this guy's a busy guy all right and uh i'm just so we are so fortunate to have him tonight he's going to be with us for another segment to the top of the hour you're listening to the hagman and hagman report hagmanreport.com and be right back stay right where you're at Report. We are speaking with Dave Hodges from the Common Sense Show. Uh, his radio show, the Common Sense Show, can be heard live here on Global Star Radio Network, as well as his website, thecommonsenseshow.com. Uh, Dave is a regular guest of ours, and uh, we've been going on Dave's show, the Common Sense Show, each uh, Sunday, the first hour, 
either my dad or myself or both of us. You know, Joe and, and Dave, that's a show of solidarity to me. That is a show of solidarity. Show It shows that the forces are, are joining, and we are not to be trifled with. And let me tell you out there, those who decide to trifle with us, okay, we do not, do not for one moment uh, interpret our silence as approval, and though for one moment to uh, interpret our pleasant nature as acceptance. Because we don't react, but we will respond. So, but we're, we're very fortunate to have Dave Hodges with us. Dave, show solidarity, solidarity indeed. You, you are leading the pack in this. You were talking about the electorate, uh, that we both know that you were speaking with. Finish that. Go ahead. Yeah, well, let me just say this, too, that you and Joe uh, blessing our show with uh, your appearances added to knowledge, content, and it does show solidarity. And the fact that Steve and I are discussing about what we're going to do about the Washington Post and other entities that want to defame us, um, there's solidarity there, and there is extreme solidarity. I mean, I know just about everybody who's everybody in this business, as you do, and what people think is oftentimes we compete, uh-uh, we cooperate. That's right. That, that's, that's the name of the game here. We cooperate and we go out of our way to help each other because beyond, you know, getting the ratings and this and that, we realize what's at stake here. It's, we're talking the future of humanity is at stake. <clears throat> anyway, back to what Ken Clark was saying as we went into the break, the Texas elector for the Republican Party, he said quite clearly that yeah, we got a lot we're dealing with here. And he didn't get specific, but you know darn good and well that they're looking at, well, first of all, I know for a fact that they've had to replace two electors for various reasons. One's a federal employee, and that's a no-no and so forth. But the, um, the they're looking at, 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 at problems here, and every state is looking at problems, and all they need is 22 people now to jump ship to join the 15, the one thing I want to say here, and, and, and I know that some of these people will be listening in, uh, there's nowhere if you do this to throw the election, there's nowhere you can run or you can hide. If you have a business, no one will be coming to it. We'll see to that. Uh, your reputation will be smirched forever. You'll be cast in the light of Benedict Arnold. So if people think they can circumvent the vote of 62 million Americans, you can think again because we're not going to take this laying down. And these people need to realize here that they are forever going to be cast in the worst light possible. And it's not Dave Hodges that's going to do it. I just know how the people are going to react. And God help them if they go out in public. I espouse nothing but nonviolence. But unfortunately, some of those 62 million people, you could have some rough characters there. And I wouldn't want my face in public after I had committed such a dastardly treasonous act to throw the election and circumvent the will of the people. So, you know, good luck with that, folks. I hope George Soros is paying you enough money you can go live on a desert island because that's about what you're going to have to do. Yeah, um, and um, that, to, just to speak to what you're talking about with the uh, Electoral College, that's the only way that they're going to be able to do anything because uh, a judge shut down the, the Michigan recount. They're not making any headway in Pennsylvania. Uh, as um, I don't even think they started the recount process here in Pennsylvania. I think they were waiting on a ruling. And then in uh, Wisconsin, uh, there was no change in um, 
a lot, and actually Trump gained more votes than Clinton did over the the recount process. So they're, what they're doing is going after the electoral college um, people who are going to be voting on the nineteenth. Um, and you know, you, you've seen articles and people from the electoral college asking or stating that they're going to do they have to follow the law and vote the way that their uh, their state voted um, when the states are made to vote or the electors are made to vote the way the state did. And um, will we see these defectors? I, I think, um, and, you know, Hillary's contradicting herself when she talked about a, there needs to be a smooth transition of power from, uh, you know, one administration to the next, and anybody interfering with that is, you know, causing would cause major problems. But now we see uh, her efforts through Jill Stein, the recount, and um, now she's coming out and smearing the fake news. Uh, I, I just wish it would go away. But you're right. The only way that they'll do this would create a constitutional crisis, and I just don't see that being allowed to to happen. Uh, but you know, stranger things have happened. So, if I can just interject, Dave, if I can interject one thing, uh, the elect, uh, member of the electoral college, you're speaking of uh, Mr. Clark, to me is a, a fine patriot and a man yes. of integrity and character. And, you know, the uh, those electorates out there who are saying, well, we're going to vote our conscience, you know, that this is how the Constitution, or why the Constitution set up this uh, uh, process, the Electoral College, uh, to keep men like Trump out of there, okay, that those people who claim to be on the high road of integrity are the ones who are actually subverting the intent, the spirit of the Constitution, in my opinion. We've heard this from the beginning, though. Um, you recall we did a show together last spring, and I was talking about, I got the name, the man's name jumps out of my head, but he's a senior Republican official. His wife started belittling me by email because I called him out. And I called oh, him I out for that. what he said yeah. publicly. Yeah, and I can't remember the guy's name now. I have to go back and research it, but you the guy had to so have his heat, wife in a skirt. Yeah, yeah the guy. He, the guy's. He, he had a skirt come after me, and he couldn't do it. He didn't have the, the 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 intestinal fortitude to come after Dave Hodges. He had to send his wife. And what he what the what the wife basically said was, uh, "It's not your party. It's not the people's party. The people in charge are going to decide who the candidate is." And and I'm thinking, well, then why in the world would you have an election? You know, let's just have a coronation and be done with it. And so we saw that in the primary, and they took so much heat over it, they had to back off because they realized, oh, gosh, you know, the, the future of our party is at stake here. And we'll worry about Trump getting defeated in the uh, in the run-up to the election. Hillary will take care of him. And, and so he got the nomination, but not without some consternation. Now we're seeing the same thing play out again. The people don't have a right to make a choice. See, this isn't even about Donald Trump. Is he fit or isn't he fit? It doesn't matter. What the, what the powers that be are saying is you have two choices. You can do what we want you to do, and the second choice is we're not going to let you do anything else but we want you to do. And this is, Doug, how they're approaching this. We, the people, have no voice. And, and I'm going to take this a step further, too, because I want to get into the fake news thing here just for a minute. Um, sure. I'm coming out with an article in the morning, and I'm, I'm claiming that the MSM, the mainstream media, is burning books. 
when they when they redirect Google searches away from the Common Sense Show, they're effectively burning books. Good when they uh, are going to ban you from YouTube, they're they're banning they're burning books. And as Thomas Wolf once said, where they burn books, they'll so, soon burn people. And so what they're doing is they're going hard after the First Amendment. And what comes after the First Amendment? Well, the people won't be able to organize to protect the Second Amendment. And what comes after the Second Amendment? Well, I can tell you what comes after it. The University of Hawaii did a study about 20th century deaths. And they found, first of all, a lot more people died by their government's hand than, than through the wars. But the next thing they found was there were 17 genocides in the 20th century, and every one of them was preceded by gun confiscation. So this is the trail we're on right now. We're on this path. One, take away our First Amendment. Two, the Second Amendment's next. Three, genocide will follow. And you can count on that. One, two, three. That, to me, okay, th- th- there it is. Thank you for that. What a, what a, what a very precise, cogent <laughs> assessment. Um, all right. Well, we are here today um, with this fake news. I, I just, I, I'm, I, I'm struggling with tr- trying to understand how, with the precision, and, and sometimes I think things fall right into place. Sometimes, and I, I think you know things do happen. But I, I know a lot is coordinated. But, but here we are, um, Hillary Clinton speaking today about the fake news, the reason she lost the election, and the fake news, it's real, I mean, the fake news causes real problems, citing, of course, that that individual who allegedly went into Comet Ping Pong and with a gun and didn't kill anyone, but apparently shot around off. That I'm not even sure. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what happened there with any degree of, I mean, with absolute certainty, but nonetheless, it's being reported as such. So, um, they're going to exploit every one of these supposed stories to use against you, against Jones, Alex Jones, against us. Um, and they're doing it. They're, they're, this is a way to, and I, I can't wait, folks, to read Dave Hodges' story tomorrow, because I think that's a great analogy, by the way, redirecting search engines, censoring the news, equivalent to burning and banning of books. Right on the well, it's banning the the true information, and 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 I'll tell you, it's not just the elite that want our voices quiet so they can you know perpetrate their agenda against us and you know like anesthetize animals. We won't even know what's happening. But what's really going on here is the mainstream media is fighting for survival. I did an interesting uh, bit of research, Doug, and this is what I found. And then I went and did my on the street research. And I found it was even worse than I found in research. Here's what I'm talking about. The figures about who's watching the mainstream media and who's not are stunning. 65% of the people under the age of 45 get their news and entertainment from digital sources. <clears throat> so I see 19, 20, 21-year-old people during the day, 18-year-old people, uh, and, and I asked them, I said, how many of you watch regular TV shows? And out of these groups that I was addressing, um, about 2% of the people would raise their hand. And most of them, no, no, Netflix, uh, just whatever, but no, I don't have time for TV. The mainstream media is dying. And if you take these 20-year-olds and let's push them out 15 years, 
CNN and Fox and ABC News and all the rest of them won't be here. Right. They're, they won't have a base. They don't have a base to draw on. The bottom has fallen out for them. So their only choice to economically survive is to go out and make it lucrative to partner up. And I guarantee you, there's Soros money behind this, making it lucrative for YouTube to go after the Patriot community. They're going to make it lucrative for Facebook. They don't need much convincing anyway to go after the <laughs> Patriot community. And then, of course, Google and their search engine and Amazon and Jeff Bezos, the man who seems to love pedophilia. Um, when we look at all allegedly. these people... Yeah, allegedly. Thank you, Doug. Um, but all these people are going to be out of a job before much longer because, you know, in 15 years, these 45-year-olds will be dominating what we're doing now. And also what you're looking at with these 20-year-olds... They'll be the prime consumers that won't be buying the advertising that of the shows they're not watching on mainstream media. This is a fight for survival. If they don't knock us off and get rid of their competition, they will cease to exist. Dave, I'm going to ask you a question. I, this is not scripted, ladies and gentlemen, but in the last couple of... Um, I'm going to say within the last week... I know Dave Hodges, I know Steve Quayle, I know Alex Jones. I can speak with authority here. We all can, us, we can feel something and the threat is much greater than it has been. And I'm talking about the real honest to goodness threat to our health, safety, welfare. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, um, comment yeah, on that. You are right. Yeah. No, right. could be more right. Before right. you can take on an enemy and destroy them, you have to take out their command and control. And the command and control of the resistance against the new world order is the independent media. It's the Hagman and Hagman report. It's SteveQuayle.com. It's Alex Jones and Infowars. So when we look at that, they have to take out command and control first. That's only the beginning. I mean, some people might be sitting in the listening audience and goes, oh, too bad, so sad. The common sense show is going to go away. But in reality, it's a lot more than that. You know, uh, people won't even remember who I am 30 days after my website's down and no one's hearing from me. But what will happen after that is what they need to be concerned about. I did an interview with Paul Martin, and I would suspect people go up, should, should go up and listen to it and listen to it closely. Uh, I entitled it Chaos in Colorado. And what we are seeing here, and we know this is true, is that when the country goes into chaos, that they're going to cordon off the cities. And so we focused on the front range along Colorado, which is basically, oh, I'm going to guess maybe 150, 160 miles from Fort Collins down through Denver, uh, Castle Rock, Colorado Springs, into Pueblo. And that is the what we call in Colorado the front range. And what we know, there are activities going on right now that speak strongly to cordoning off these areas at key choke points. And we, Paul and I are just on top of this story. It's unfolding. We don't have the whole story. But there's something else that's happening, too, in nearby Wyoming. I covered this back in June, and now it's resurfaced where I'm getting reports from Colorado, but mostly now Wyoming, about all these troop movements 
and they're setting up uh, locations on major thoroughfares, and they're going to shut down Rollins, Wyoming, Rock Springs, Laramie, Cheyenne, and a lot of foreign troop presence in this area, too. And Paul and I have been covering this. Oh, gosh, we've probably been covering this for about a year and a half. Uh, eyewitnesses, eyewitness accounts, pictures of the vehicles, pictures of the troops. And, and Doug, let me cut to the bottom line. It, first, they're going to take out the command and control of the independent media because we're the resistance. We're the tip of the spear. This is where people come for information. But then they're going to start going after the people. They're going to bring down the economy. Ron Paul said it yesterday, and I published it today. And he said that Donald Trump has a depression awaiting him when he takes office. And I'm paraphrasing, but effectively that's yep. what Dr. Paul said. Yep. Uh, and they're going to take the economy down through a number of means. People go, which way? And I said, let me count the ways. It's not going to be one <laughs> way. It's going to be many ways. And then, Doug, what's going to happen is the people are going to be in utter chaos. This is why people better get their water, their food, their gold, their guns, their ammo. They better be prepared because, as Paul has said, and he's quoting one of his high-level sources, and I mean very high-level, I know who it is, and he has told Paul, when this breaks down and society goes into chaos, where you are at is where you will stay. And I'm hearing the same thing. We could be here next week doing this. Could be next month. Could be in a year. I don't think we have a year. But this is what's coming. Uh, the canary in the mine, the chest pain for the heart attack, is taking down the Hagman and Hagman report. And then you can expect things to go very, very quickly and very south. Oh, we're not going down easy, and, and neither are you. And uh, we have a lot. I believe this firmly, Dave. We are so blessed. And, I mean, we, all of us here, uh, us, you, and many other shows, are blessed with a, just a, a fantastic, vibrant, robust audience who won't take any of this crap from these people. And, and they will answer or the enemies will answer to those people because I, I get emails daily about, about you, you know, making sure you're okay from, from our listeners and, and, uh, you know, people, people love you, but they appreciate what you do. They look for your reports like the one tomorrow. Now, the exception of that is, of course, and I want to thank Bob and Maggie, uh, Curly Haugland. I guess that's how you pronounce the name. You you remember that, of course. Old curly. That's that's the guy's that's the guy's yeah, wife yeah, who, yeah, who yeah. came after me. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah, and and thank you, Bob and Maggie, for that. Uh, God bless you. Yeah, they're they're just great people. But anyway, they yeah. Are. So, uh, we. But, so, but Dave, what do we do about this? Or how can we? It, uh, because we're talking about a lot of problems here. But what do you? What would you suggest that our listeners do? Or what can we do? as leaders in this to go after to, to stop this um, well I don't wait, think wait. we're going to stop the takedown of our shows now okay. uh, even if we go to alternative venues that's still questionable whether or not we'll survive and then if, even if we figured out a technological way around their manipulation then we'd have to contend with the death squads and don't think for a second they don't exist Sure. so then I, the answer is what do we do well, I'm going to be a little flippant here, but I'm being more literal than I am flippant. I'm going to go to Radio Shack, and I'm going to buy a big megaphone. And I'm going to go to the corner uh, of a crowded street, and I'm going to start broadcasting. Hi, this is Dave Hodges coming to you live on the corner of Central and Van Buren in the middle of <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona. And let me tell you why you don't hear the Common Sense Show anymore. 
Let me explain to you why this is happening and that is happening. But see, here's the deal. We need to become like the movie, uh, I believe it was called Anonymous, where I can't be the only one with a megaphone and neither can you and neither can Alex or Steve. What we need to do, what we need to do is get everybody to go get a megaphone and we become what the revolutionaries had in Boston, you know, during the Quartering Act. And basically, they had the committees of correspondence form, and this is how they communicated with each other. And I'm, so I'm saying I'm being flippant with the megaphone analogy, but I'm also being literal. This is when we need to become all citizen journalists, and this becomes part of what we do each and every day. And see, what will happen, it, it won't be you know, maybe 20 million people aggregate listening to the independent media, then we'll maybe we'll have 30, 40, 50, 60 million people doing it on a grassroots level. And if you're familiar with the concept of the small world hypothesis that sociologists talk about, you know, we know everybody in the country within six degrees of separation. And if we do take to the streets like this, this movement would spread much faster than what you and I are doing on the radio. And I think that these people would have a major problem on their hands controlling the population simply because of the fact that the grassroots revolution will grow. But, Doug, I also think they've prepared for it. And, no, I'm not going to talk about US-16 again for the 15th time on your show where they're preparing (laughs) for guerrilla warfare. But what I'm going to talk about are beta-testing asthma attacks in Australia and Kuwait Something made hundreds of people at a time either die or go to the emergency room. And I will tell you what my FEMA source said when he bugged out four years ago this month. He said if they can't get us under control, they're going to use every nerve agent, every bio, every chemical weapon they have, and they'll kill the masses. Well, you know what? Bring it on. Because if they do that... Then I take off the nonviolent robe, I grab the AK-47, and I'm going to say, let's rock and roll. I, I can't argue with that. And, of course, that's in the context of war, you know, the, the, them drawing first blood by, by any means yeah. available to them. And, and you're right. And it's interesting because I do believe that the answer is somewhat, what you described, the answer to me is what we have seen with this with the Pizzagate investigation, you saw one person make a post, and then a couple more look at the post and add to it. And pretty soon you've got hundreds, and then thousands, and then upwards of tens of thousands of people, of people reading, reposting, putting it on Twitter, flooding social networking. That's the grassroots movement that we need. So, like you and I, when and 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 every well, you and I, uh, our shows, that is, other shows like ours. Uh, I do believe that it's so important that that even if if it's a mom and dad out there listening or, or a single person listening, start your own show, or um, you know, of course, if if the avenues are cut off there, I'm not sure, but we need to do it from a grassroots level, from the bottom up. You know, we really do. Well, listen, that see, take actually, I think they're being stupid on the other side, Doug. I really do. I I would treat us like you would a mosquito that's not landing on you. You ignore it. And they lost one election. They didn't lose the election so much as to what you and I did. My ego would like to believe that, but when I really am honest with myself, I think we contributed to Trump's victory. I don't think we were a determining factor. The determining factor 
was who they put up on the Democratic side and her being a moral degenerate and the opposite of everything that this country believes in. That's why they lost the election. And they're making a mistake by shutting us down. they got to find a better candidate. I mean, Joe Biden might have beat Donald Trump, and we could debate that ad nauseum, but he didn't have all the baggage that Hillary Clinton had, and that's what led to her defeat. What they should be doing with you and I is just ignoring us. You know, don't, don't give don't give credence to us and just ignore us and marginalize us and laugh at us, you know, in the circle. Yeah, you know, those alternative media guys. <laughs> Instead of giving us fodder for lawsuits and uh, and all the other things they're doing that are counterproductive for their movement. And then they just move forward like we don't exist. Then they put up a better candidate. And then life is good for them because then their globalism will keep encroaching on society. So, Doug, that's what I would do. But here's what's going to happen, and, and I really mean this sincerely. When people don't hear Doug Hagman Monday through Friday here on Global Star Radio Network, people are going to get into the streets, and this is when they're going to become the philosophers, the talkers, the interpreters, and they're going to be telling their neighbors and their friends like they never have before, and that's when the global elite are really going to have a problem on their hands. And they, they they may certainly do a hell of a lot better job than I can do, or we can do collectively, individually. It's collective numbers. It's yeah. it's collective numbers. I have a lot of people that listen to me in my neighborhood. I'm out here in rural Arizona, uh, and and they're taking on tasks on their own now. They don't even come through me. Wow. They'll talk to me. That's They'll great. get text messages. Hey, Dave, we're doing this. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And this is what's going to happen in America. I almost think it would be good for the movement if we'd all shut down for 30 days to get the people to come out of the closet, stop listening to us, and start acting. We can always play golf, you and I. No, I'm I'm (laughs) kidding. Dave, thank you. I'm up for that. (laughs) I I wouldn't know how to play. Uh, I can can never make it through the into the clown's mouth. I don't know. Anyway. Dave, thanks for coming on tonight. Um, We're at the end of of our time. You guys are the best. You guys are awesome. You are the absolute best. I want to tell you that. Thank you, brother. God bless you, my friend. Dave Hodges from the Common Sense Show and thecommonsenseshow.com. Uh, God bless you, Dave. We will talk with you on Sunday. Okay. Can't wait, guys. Have a good night. We will be back with Andrew Curve from thecitizensaudit.com. Stay with us. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report. HagmanReport.com, that's our home base. That's for news information analysis, HagmanReport.com. Check us out there. Of course, you can follow us on social networking for as long as that lasts until we get kicked off for mentioning the truth. Of course, you know, fake news not welcome on social networking. But that no worries because, you know, you're dumbed down by a... a uh, well, I guess I guess most millennials can't, can't go beyond like 144 characters at... Uh, Messes with their uh, synapses somewhere up there, right? We have a great uh, for the for the rest of the remainder of the show. We've got a great, a special guest for you. I like this guy, Andrew Kerr. Have you heard of him? I, you have to have heard of him. He is an investigative reporter at the the citizensaudit.com. Now, folks, I don't care if you're in Europe or listening to this in Australia and and. Uh, Billy, thanks for checking in from uh, from London. 
what are you doing up up so late? <laughs> and, and also Mary Lou from New South Wales. Thanks again too. Uh, where it's uh, where it's in the afternoon. But anyway, Andrew Kerr is an investigative reporter at thecitizensaudit.com, thecitizensaudit.com. Bookmark that site and, and check it out. Uh, tasked with producing original research about precious, precious, pressing, let me say that again, pressing issues in the news. And he does a great job. You talk about a, uh, he just does a great job. We, we, and I want to thank John Robertson for, uh, for, making this interview and others possible. John Robertson yeah, has done, um, done such a terrific job. And also I want to thank Bill McIntosh from uh, OCASO Media, Bill McIntosh. Yep. And, and I, Another I, I spell it because uh, when John says it and he told me it's okay, asso or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you all right? Yeah, no. Did you just, I, you got yeah, I probably that. Um, no, um, but Bill McIntosh, thank right. you for, for setting that up. Uh, all right, yeah, and and we, we there's a lot of information to get into that Mr. Kerr has, and uh, uh, he is approaching the news, the pressing issues of the news, um, in particular, for example, David Brock, in, in a very unique but a, a very effective way. We're going to be getting to Mr. Kerr just momentarily. I just want to ask each and every one of you out there and guys, this is especially for you guys if you are looking, are, have you done your Christmas shopping? Uh, if you haven't, I've got, I've got a I've got something for you. OmahaSteaks.com OmahaSteaks.com Guys this is a great gift for family members think about this. Your boss the people you work with, you work for, you work uh, around, uh, your friends, neighbors, whatever, omahasteaks.com. And in the search bar, you got to put HH right away. But with the click of a mouse, you can get your Christmas shopping done. How, if, well, if you're struggling to find that perfect gift for someone who has it all, the holidays are fast approaching. So order gifts for everyone on your list with just a simple click of the mouse. Go to omahasteaks.com and put right away in the search bar HH. There you will find all sorts of specials, especially for the Hagman and the Hagman Report listeners. Here is the perfect gift, the family gift pack. This is a gift pack that I have sent and uh, actually purchased it for our own household. How would you like to get for under $50? Listen to this. Two filet mignons, two top sirloins, two boneless pork chops, four boneless chicken breasts. I could stop right there, and to me, there's like the $50. But let me go on. Four kielbasa sausages, four burgers, a 12-ounce package of all-beef meatballs, four potatoes au gratin for the sides, uh, four caramel apple tartlets for dessert, one Omaha steak seasoning packet, which makes oh, the, the the beef just oh, so flavorful. And then, of course, with this order, you will get four additional kielbasa sausages free for under $50. That's $49.99. It's actually a 77% savings. It was $219.90 or $215.90, but for the listeners of the Hagman Hagman Report, it is on sale right now for $49.99. This is the best. And Omaha Steaks, too, when you're there, they've got over 500 gourmet gift ideas, the highest quality cuts of meat and ingredients, one-of-a-kind flavor, convenient, quick shopping for those of you on well, it's just, it's a, it's a fantastic way to shop. Again, omahasteaks.com, HH in the search bar. omahasteaks.com, HH in the search bar. Be a hero for your family and friends and, 
uh, you're gonna you'll, you'll thank me later, especially you guys out there. You'll thank me later. All right. Um, joining us uh, now and and will be with us till the end of the program is Andrew Kerr, an investigative reporter and founder of the Citizen Audit, thecitizenaudit.com, tasked with producing original research about pressing issues in the news. Um, and prior to this, he worked several years in the IT business, um, acquiring extensive knowledge of data management and analytics building off a degree in computer science. He's a smart and articulate cookie, let me tell the you. The mission of citizensaudit.com is to empower Americans to hold their government accountable. Mr. Kerr, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And, and, and folks, he's on video. So if you go to our YouTube channel, live YouTube channel, you can see, you can see him. He's a good looking guy, young man, and, uh, a very, a very adept and, and, and very effective, uh, citizen, uh, investigator. Andrew, um, we, w- dominating the news is, of course, Pizzagate. And it's a very important story, as, as I, as we have said, as we have covered this week. You want to touch on that a little bit, uh, where you're at with uh, your investigation on this and what you're seeing? Well, I haven't been looking into Pizzagate directly. To, to be completely honest, I um, haven't really spent much time at all looking into it since there's a lot of other individuals that are uh, devoting their time to it. The angle that I've been taking ever since uh, mid-July uh, following James, Com- James Comey announcement um, uh, back during the election, saying that he wasn't going to uh, recommend charges against Hillary Clinton for email server. So yeah, we're talking a couple months ago. I got this feeling in my in my head that okay, well Hillary Clinton is immune from anything, and so I decided to look at her supporting cast, uh, most prominently David Brock. And um, I've been doing an extensive amount of research on David Brock and his organizations, the way that um, that he does his business, and the uh, amount of organizations that are present in his Washington, D.C. office and the way that they pass money from one to another, the way that his organizations illegally coordinated with the Clinton campaign. And it just so happens that a lot of the key players I've been looking into since July are also some names that I'm seeing pop up during the Pizzagate investigation. And um, the way that I'm looking at it is, uh, you know, this is indirectly related, but... Um, yeah, it's kind of like uh, Al Capone. Uh, notorious gangster was caught not paying his taxes. Uh, that's really boring in comparison to all the stuff that he did, but it could be the same thing here. Um, the Pizzagate is an absurd story. Yes. Um, <laughs> even if it was completely true, it's ridiculous, to be quite honest. Uh, and it's really hard pill for people to swallow, but I think that you know, not properly paying taxes or, or fraudulent uh, money transfers, that's a lot easier to swallow. And you know, and my whole angle has been pushing to get an official audit of, uh, of media matters for America in particular. Um, and I think that that could blow this whole thing whole wide open if the, the IRS and uh, government agencies could finally, you know, look at a granular level uh, at these organizations and then, you know, it could just snowball from there. That's a very good point because at the, at the epi, well, I shouldn't say at the epicenter, but within this subject of Pizzagate is James Elephantis. And he's one of the players of many, but his significant other, his boyfriend or former boyfriend, of course, is David Brock. And David Brock comes up in the conversation in the investigative, citizen investigative reports on this subject. You, 
and I and I applaud what you've done. And folks, go to the citizensaudit.com page and and just check out his uh, Andrew Kerr's latest uh, reports. But uh, tell us who is David Brock, because you you've done some great work on this in this uh, using this angle. Who's who's David Brock? Yeah, so he uh, interesting story. He started out as a conservative uh, reporter. Um, he wrote the real story of Anita Hill um, and was commissioned to write a hit piece on the Clintons, but instead of producing that hit piece, he came out a pro-Clinton ally um, and became one of um, both Bill Clinton and, and Hillary Clinton's uh, staunchest allies during um, her 2008 and 2016 race. Uh, he founded Media Matters for America in 2004, tasked with uh Correcting conservative misinformation in the media, um, which, you know, to be completely honest, correcting misinformation in the media—that's an honorable mission statement. Um, but it, very quickly, Media Matters just became a purely political organization, um, which is concerning, especially considering that they are a tax-exempt organization. Um, but then he also has a number of uh, of other nonprofit organizations, all aligned to progressive causes. And he actually has um, uh, three super super PACs that are, are running out of his office space uh, in in Washington D.C. Um, so he actually, I actually identified 14 different organizations, all of them chaired by David Brock, that are operating in one office space in Washington D.C. Um, and one of them in particular was a super PAC called Correct the Record, which was devoted to um, correcting Hillary Clinton's record online. And a lot of the pro Hillary Clinton comments that we were seeing during the election were not authentic thoughts. Rather, they were um, essentially paid shills for Correct the Record that were going online and just posting flattering comments about Hillary Clinton, and they were getting you know, essentially paid per post. All right. Um, wow. All right. Should, should, we go, should we go through the 14 different entities out of the same address, or, or is that just... Um... Well, um the really interesting thing is how they, they all, looking at their mission statement, they, they, they all align to a specific progressive cause. So we have Media Matters for America that uh, corrects conservative misinformation in the media. We have American Bridge 21st Century that hires trackers to uh, catch prominent uh, Republican politicians on the campaign trail and gaffes. Um, and so to you know, fact check conservative politicians, we have correct the record. Uh, correct conservative opinions on the internet. We have the Franklin Education Forum, which is an organization devoted to training progressive uh, media pundits and politicians to help them spread the message. Um, and we have the, this is my favorite one, the Center for Ethics and Responsibility in Washington, D.C., <laughs> which uh, essentially just produces lawsuits against conservative organizations. So they ha- they have Everything covered. We've got um, a T-shirt for that. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, so all of these organizations that you found under this umbrella, they're all involved in revising reality, revising the narrative, I should say, um, uh, massaging the conversation or pushing the conversation toward a specific uh, agenda. I guess you'd, you'd say that. But fact-correcting, that's really not fact-correcting. It's just changing and revising the uh, reality as opposed to anything else. Yeah, and that, that was a big motivation for me to 
um, you kind of go on a crusade against these organizations because it, it's it's okay to it's part of a healthy democracy to be able to go onto a forum and um, and express your opinions about a political candidate even if it disagrees with our own. But the way that I consume media, um, I know throughout college and you know when I didn't devote my full time efforts towards um, uh, reporting was that I would read the article and then I'd go into the comments section and see what people were commenting about the article. And as somebody that didn't have all day to devote towards, you know, coming up with opinion, reading what other people were authentically posting, their thoughts on what I just read would help me solidify my stances on on those topics. So mm-hmm. the danger of an organization like Correct the Record, in my opinion, is that people were reading news articles and going to the comments section in an effort to see what other people were thinking about what they had just read, and they were being inundated with pro-Hillary Clinton comments. And so they were thinking that, wow, Hillary Clinton has this in the bag. Um, and so they were so shocked when she lost the election. But that's because a lot of people were not reading authentic thoughts. They were reading inauthentic thoughts from people that were being paid to post those comments. And there is no disclaimer on Internet communications that, hey, this is a super PAC communication paid by a super PAC. So it's it's very deceiving. And I don't think that's that's fair, and I don't think it's healthy towards a democracy. I think it's actually dangerous towards a democracy to to trick people in this sort of way. The, the internet is the kind of the last bastion for free speech that that we have, and it's you know it's being poisoned by actions like this. Wow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, when on, on internet forums and, and um, articles, I, I love reading through the comment section myself, and I do that constantly. And there was a huge disconnecting gap between what online polls were saying and uh, what the majority of commenters and, and people on social media were saying versus what the mainstream media polls and people were saying, you know, Hillary's going to win in the landslide. And uh, we saw that in the uh, amount of support Trump got at his events versus what Clinton would get. I mean, she was Photoshopping pictures of crowd audiences and, um, you know, they were they were struggling to get hundreds, you know, maybe a thousand people to different events while Trump was filling up arenas. And the media would not acknowledge um, the support that Trump was getting. And you're right, it is very deceiving, especially when um, coming from super PACs being put out as uh, articles looking like news stories. I mean, you want to talk about fake news, um, paying people to to say something that uh, coincides with what you think or you believe. I mean, that, and then disseminating as if it is an original thought, as you said, is definitely very deceiving. And... Um, the people were shocked that Hillary lost. Her supporters were shocked because they were told the whole time that she was, you know, it was basically over before it started. Yeah, and to advocate for them, it's not really fair that they had to deal with uh, with Brock's antics that it, that it tricked them like this. If they knew the reality of the situation, like I think that, you know, me personally, I I, I knew that that Trump had it in the bag um, uh, uh, quite some time ago, but. Uh, how can you properly, you know, engage your voter base if they think that you have this in the bag? Um, you know, first of all, I'm glad that it worked out the way that it did, but um, I don't see how any anybody could be supportive of actions like this. What yeah. worries me moving forward is that they are learning their lessons from their failures this election season. David Brock has a meeting um, with a bunch of high-profile donors that he's flying into a things of Miami Beach House on uh, inauguration week to discuss strategy moving forward. I don't think that they're going to change the what they're doing, but they're going to change their tactics so that they're much more effective moving forward and, and pushing this message. 
to where it won't be so painfully obvious for uh, the observers out there that you're noticing this disconnect. They're going to be much more subtle about it. And I think that that's a, they, they need to be called out in their actions and be held accountable for what they did uh, before they can um, you know, try it again. Interesting. Uh, in 2018 or 2020. And, and, I've, and I've said that. Uh, I've constantly said that here on this program where the objectives of, of the people in power, they don't change. Their plans change because of the events, and then they exploit whatever uh, events they need to exploit and, and change their plans accordingly. So that's a very interesting um, observation. And, and how, Okay, so we're, we're looking at, at this post-truth what the uh, Oxford Dictionary, uh, their their word of the year is post-truth, and it's a compound word. And of course, it, it's uh, an artifact of the fake news narrative. This is all, all of this kind of meshes together, doesn't it? Um, the, the, the fake news and the post-truth, and then the Brock uh, strategy meeting and the meeting of the globalists going forward. Uh, we're at war here. And, and I, I will say this. Uh, l- l- let me, for those joining you late, we're talking with Andrew Kerr. Uh, his website is the citizen, I'm sorry, the citizensaudit.com. I don't enunciate well sometimes, the citizensaudit.com. And he, their mission statement, Joe, I was reading it earlier today, is to prove that regular Americans like you and I and all of us listening, um, you've got the power to hold their government accountable through unapologetic use of our First Amendment right to free press. We will fulfill this mission by producing original research and insightful reporting on the critical issues of our time. And, and this gentleman does exactly that, and I want to thank him for that. But but this is all kind of a – everything we're seeing here is, is kind of meshing together, I believe. Yeah, Mr. Kerr, if I can ask you this about fake news, um, do you think that this story, uh, the title fake news, was something that was in the works regardless of I, – I think – and I'll just give you my opinion, then I'll ask the question – that the fake news was something that Hillary was going to launch after she won the election. And I think um, it was rolled out in a different way after Trump won, and now they're using it to you know, go after... They were going to use it regardless to go after the, the Pizzagate story, but now they're using it as a narrative of why she lost the election, because fake news has such a huge influence on uh, you know Hillary Clinton, apparently when most of the fake news comes from the mainstream media and they were for Hillary Clinton. But do you think that this fake news um, narrative was something that Hillary was going to use if she did get into office? I, I, it's hard to tell. What, what I can say is that if you look at Google Trends, um, you know, the search, the, the trending of search terms, that fake news spiked immediately after the election. Fake news was not an issue in the news media um, when we were being inundated with uh, WikiLeaks emails every day, but now WikiLeaks is being labeled as fake news. Um, but it wasn't a thing until after Donald Trump won the election, and everybody's you know all up in arms about the supposed dangers of of uh, fake news. Um, wow. So okay. so it started trending after the election, right after the election, almost immediately after the election. It's actually quite shocking to see. I mean, it, it just it spikes right up. Well, your background is in computer science, and, and you're very intelligent with respect to uh, computers, and I'm sure analytics and, and trends and everything. Um, I'm a dinosaur when it comes to any of this. I don't, I don't get any of this. Um, however, you do. So, 
I guess I know we're kind of all over the place here so far, kind of coming out of the gate, but but let me ask this. Um, we are seeing, at least in my view, some sort of censorship via the uh, keywords, the tags, whatever they call that, the metadata, the you know the um, all of the search engines or the search engines are, are censoring the nukes. Um, this appears to be an effective weapon. Or, or, or is it? I mean, what are we, what are we well, seeing here? What's taking place? Well, yeah, that's. Um, I'm glad that you asked this, and I didn't expect we we're going to be talking about it, but I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, we, after the election, the circular firing squad formed, and everybody was blaming everybody in the and on on the left. And one of the targets was uh, was Facebook. Uh, They're saying, "Oh, Mark Zuckerberg, your 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 website was was peddling fake news all throughout the election. You have to fix this." Um, the only way that the recommendation was to create an algorithm to somehow search for for fake news uh, and uh, you know make it so it doesn't show up on people's timelines or I guess that's what they're asking for. And on on the surface level, to to do that, yeah, you would have to analyze the the text of the article, and if it you know matches the requirements of an acceptable article, then let it through. If it doesn't match the requirements, then Block it, but just think about how ridiculous that is. How are you going to have a computer algorithm go through and verify the the truthiness of an article? Uh, I mean, that's such a monumental task to be able to have Facebook data mine all the data on the internet to verify that if a news story uh, is is true or not. Um, so yeah, I, I think to just on on the very high level, yeah, you'd have to, you know, search for keywords and uh, on, on these articles and start blocking the articles that way. It's very concerning for the, for me the, this this whole fake news narrative. But I think that the there's always going to be fake news uh, coming about in the mainstream media and the fringe media uh, with people running blogs. The, yeah. the only way to combat it is to be outward with it. And I think that a lot of uh, you know, if you want to call it conspiracy theories, they 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 form in echo chambers. And they get, you know, these these theories get kind of crazy inside the echo chamber. And when they get big enough to escape the echo chamber, and people, other people start looking at it, they're like, "Wow, this is insane." But if it didn't, if there wasn't such an echo chamber with our news, um, you know, it, it, Facebook shows us things that we want to look at. If you are a conservative, Facebook is going to give you conservative news sources. You're not going to get a lot of liberal sites your way because you're not going to click on them, and they get paid by clicks. Uh, same way for for liberals, um, they going the other way. They're, they're just not going to see any of that conservative news based on on these algorithms. But if you know they actually lightened up on these algorithms and just uh, you know showed what was trending without any sort of uh, you know bias, then more people would be aware of what people are talking about, and it would start that that conversation. I think that the only way to combat fake news is to be more open with and open up channels to see what people are talking about, not try to lock down channels. Instead of responding to the allegations about Pizzagate, they're just calling it fake news, and that's that's creating the opposite effect of, with what they want. They want to bury the story. Every time they try to bury the story without responding to the allegations, they're just more motivating more people to look into the story. It's achieving the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why after somebody uh, with a gun comes in and, and fires a shot uh, reportedly earlier this week, thankfully nobody was hurt. 
but why they're still just completely ignoring all these allegations after that just is mind-boggling to me. And, of course, people are going to continue digging because that's just strange that they're uh, going to this sort of length in order to bury a story. So, Yeah, you're right. And by not addressing uh, any – I mean, they, they – will write debunked or, uh, you know, fake news next to the articles. I'll, but I'll they like won't the offer any proof, one. evidence, or facts in the articles that, one, address the claims, or, two, um, offer any, you know, uh, evidence that dispute the facts. They just claim it is fake. They just claim it is, uh, you know, some outrage. I mean, Stephen Colbert um, talked about, you know, the Pizzagate scandal, and he compared it to, he was making jokes about, you know, conspiracy theorists and aliens, you know, coming and laying eggs in your brain and, just you know, way out in left field, and it, and it does make people want to dig deeper, especially people who have already have an idea of what's going on. And I think this election cycle, the media and the media bias really woke a lot of people up to start doing and looking uh, independently. You know, they'd see something that the media would report, and then they would go do their own research and find that it was just a complete fabrication and not true. And that woke a lot of people up. Um, to what the media is doing and did during this election cycle. And I think that was a main factor in why Trump won the election, was his ability to counter the media bias, where other Republicans in the past, uh, from Romney to McCain, weren't able to do before. Folks, we're, we're talking with Andrew Kerr. We're up against a break. We'll be right back after these few short messages. And when we do, we're going to continue to talk about the super PACs, the Clinton Foundation, and how money was funneled out of... Um, in, into private accounts and nonprofit NGOs from the uh, Super PAC. It's Investigations 101. Citizens Follow the money. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We keep getting that. Sound jumps in there. Headset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with them. Hagman and Hagman report. We we've got such a a great uh, what a great guest, Andrew Kerr. He's an investigative reporter. His website, the Citizens Audit, plural. That's the Citizens and it's a noble cause. And he's making some great inroads into the investigations he's conducting. He's of course they're tasked with producing original research about pressing issues in the news. And if you go to the Citizens Audit. Dot com. If you go, if you go there, um, of course, there's the page with the current updated news. But on the research tab, it's the basis, and from that, the outgrowth of the uh, of the, the new articles or the outgrowth. But uh, uh, we're gonna be hitting all of these points because all of these are so important. What he his research, what he's uncovered, is critical to all of the investigations we've been talking about. It's critical to Pizzagate. It's critical to um, Hillary, the Hillary found uh, the Clinton Foundation and Hillary and her activities. It's critical to the the uh, corruption inside the Beltway. Very critical. Yeah, corruption. and he really does a great job of tying of, of connecting some of the dots. Yeah, and, from the campaigns to super PACs to uh, media outlets. Exactly. Now, before we get back to uh, Mr. Kerr, I, I want to mention that uh, Texas Ready, Texas Ready. Is they've got the the best seed banks in the world. If you if you're 
If you're in the market for a seed bank, there's only one place I recommend. That's TexasReady.net, TexasReady.net. And if you're not in the market for a seed bank, you should be. Okay. Uh, TexasReady.net, their seed banks contain regionally appropriate open pollinated heirloom seeds. Now, most seed banks, they don't take into account geographical differences. They do. And, of course, TexasReady.net, the certified seeds. And if you don't know how to garden, Texas Ready has several excellent, absolutely wonderful reference books that help you go grow plenty of nutrient-dense food, uh, start plants from seedlings, save seeds correctly, and protect the genetics. So you don't have, you don't inadvertently create hybrids from your heirloom plants. That's an important point. And, and I was reading the other day in the book about that, and uh, I didn't know there's a science to this. And TexasReady.net will guide you through it. Lucinda Bailey, the seed lady, she really knows her seeds. She really knows what she's doing. If you buy the uh, uh, TexasReady.net of seed bank, you will be getting not just the seeds, but the expertise behind it. And Texas Ready Seeds, they come in a refurbished U.S. Army ammo can, and they've got the moisture seals on top. They're they're like tanks. It's an amazing product, and we only offer the best to our listeners. TexasReady.net is the best. They offer 80-plus varieties of vegetables and fruits, including eight dual-purpose herbs for culinary and medicinal purposes. And again, the larger banks come with training manuals, which teach you to garden properly. The only place for seeds, in my view. TexasReady.net. That's TexasReady.net. TexasReady.net. Getting back to Andrew Kerr. Uh, Joe, I'll kick it to you because the active project he's got, uh, on yeah. his website, thecitizensaudit.com. And by the way, folks, it's, his work is worth every penny that, uh, if you want to support a good cause, this is a good cause because he's, he's making some tremendous investigative inroads into the issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to try this again. I want to thank Bill McIntosh from OKSO Media. OKSO Media, Bill McIntosh, thank you. Um, but yes, under the research tab on the citizensaudit.com page is the active project, and it talks about campaign finance violations in the 2016 election uh, brought on by the, the Clinton campaign. And um, you say, state that the goal for this project is to force an official audit on David Brock's Media Matters conglomerate and um and then you go to piece together uh so much of the the evidence and one of the stories i was looking at on your site and i guess uh, we can start here i didn't i guess i didn't know this at the time but um the media matters l- leaked the trump um nomination speech back in uh was it july june or july yeah july Wait a minute, the nomination speech yeah after the primaries and um this is in direct violation of their tax exempt exempt status as a 501c3 organization and nothing came of this um how did you get your hands on this information were you uh and why did this uh i guess not make it into the news cycle and why were these people not held accountable this was from the dc leaks database and um i almost overlooked it myself but um you know we're speaking in the fire section that there's 14 organizations that our president, the uh, Media Matters office, so I, you know, I refer to them as just the Media Matters conglomerate. They're just a, a, a pieces of a larger um, system of organizations. But, yeah, so back in July, uh, July 21st, you know, just hours before Donald Trump's uh, convention speech, 
it was reported that Correct the Record Super PAC, one of those organizations that shares office space with Media Matters, had obtained and distributed Trump's planned remarks to, uh, to the press corps. But this email that I found in DC Leaks database shows that Correct the Record wasn't the only organization to distribute these messages. And this is really subtle, but it was Bradley Baycock, uh, the president of Media Matters for America, who sent an email to uh, Christina Reynolds, uh, Clinton's de- uh, deputy communications director, with the email uh, uh, just titled FYI. Uh, you guys might have already gotten your hands on this already. And attached was the transcript of uh, for his speech just coming up in a few hours. And that was sent to Christina Reynolds sometime before 444, because the email sh- chain shows that she then forwarded that out at 444 to uh distribution list uh, at HillaryClinton.com and then shortly afterwards it was forwarded to some more contacts including Huma Abedin. So it's very critical the timing especially when we consider that Politico reported on July 24th or I'm sorry tr- July 21st that Trump's leaked transcript began circulating in political and journalism circles soon after 5 p.m. But Media Matters provide the transcripts to the Clinton campaign sometime before 4.44 p.m. So, yeah, uh, you know, 15-, 20-minute difference, who cares? But when you got your hands on your political opponent's convention speech and you have that extra 20 minutes to come up with messaging and response, uh, every second is critical. And Media Matters, by directly emailing the Clinton campaign with that transcript, provided them with that advantage. IRS regulations state, and this is a quote, all Section 501c3 organizations, which Media Matters is, are absolutely prohibited from directly participating in any political campaign, and that violations may result in denial or revocation of tax-exempt status and the imposition of certain excise taxes. So Media Matters, directly reaching out to their deputy communications director with her opponent's political speech, in my opinion, counts as a direct participation in a political campaign. IRS regulations further state that there are some loopholes in terms of a 501c3 uh, working with a political campaign and that they need to uh, provide the same opportunity to both political campaigns. So if they're running a charity, I think a good example would be the the uh, charity dinner in New York they both attended. Uh, both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were there, so that organization gave them equal um, opportunity, but leaking an opponent's uh, speech to the other political c- candidate, that's not equal opportunity. That's a clear advantage to one candidate. And IRS regulations, is, is they're very clear. It says you cannot participate in a political ca- campaign during an election year. If you do, uh, your taxes and status is liable to be revoked. So now it's out there. I, I'm, I believe I'm the first person to report on this specific email. It's out there, and it's pretty simple. I, I don't know how uh, uh, the, the IRS can, can you know, put off auditing media matters. Despite everything else I put on my website, I think this is the strongest yeah. argument to have. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, what you call selective enforcement, um, if we've ever seen it. But yet we still see the IRS going after, uh, you know, Tea Party and conservative groups. And um, But this, you know, don't, don't look at this because... Um, they don't want, ever want to have to uh, do anything. Media Matters being a, a big organization run by George Soros and um, yeah, and j- just for people that that may not know, Media Matters was 
established in May of 2004. It's it's a it's described as or describes itself as a web-based not-for-profit progressive research information center dedicated to comprehensively monitoring, analyzing, and correcting and correcting no less conservative misinformation in the media throughout the media. Um, and such misinformation, by the way, includes news or commentary that is not accurate, reliable, or credible that forwards or advances the conservative agenda. In other words, fighting fake news, which really, uh, Andrew Kerr, who is our guest here, uh, from the citizensaudit.com website, the founder and director of the citizensaudit.com website, is of course investigating. And it's, it's, Interesting, and, and and Joe, I think you you said it best. It, it's you know massaging the narrative, and of course Andrew is. Uh, so, so that that's one finding there, um, and of course David Brock is behind Media Matters as well. When I say behind it, the visible face, and of course you've got George Soros and John Podesta, Democratic Party, Obama, all at the periphery. Um, did I cover that well, Andrew, or is there more to Media Matters? Yeah, no, uh, uh, George Soros is a big donor, um, reportedly donated over a million dollars to Media Matters. Uh, John Podesta collected a paycheck from them, I believe, in 2012. I may be wrong on that. Uh, Media Matters actually uh, visited the White House uh, weekly strategy meetings back in 2012, it was reported. Um, so, yeah, it, they're all connected. Okay. All right. Well, um, I guess uh, let's get into the uh, number one on your list under uh, the research tab on your website, uh, the citizensaudit.com. Um, Clinton campaign illegally purchased research from pro democratic super PAC. And I kind of want to get into some of the super PAC uh, stuff that you have. Um, and this is one of the stories and one of the areas that you focus on. Um, if you don't mind, you want to explain what a, a, a super PAC is? I guess it's, um, it's a political action, uh, committee, right. um, that raises money. And I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. Um, and, yeah, well, go ahead. Yeah, on, on my side, I actually have a two-part explainer on super PACs, so I don't really go into you know any violations. Just kind of explaining what a super PAC is, because uh, uh, they're confusing, and um, you know if we don't know what something is, then it's kind of hard to you know really care about a specific violation. So, yeah, a super PAC is an independent expenditure-only committee. That's their official name. So they cannot coordinate expenditures with a political campaign. Uh, there needs to be a, you know, a good way to look at it is that, um, you know, a super PAC and a political campaign, they need to be running in parallel. They're, they can't cross. They can't share internal strategy. You know, a political campaign can't, um, contact a super PAC and say, hey, we're going to be pushing this policy next week, prepare a bunch of material to play right after our speech. That's illegal because that's, you know, providing, that's a, a coordination. Um, and the whole name of the game with the super PAC is that you can't coordinate. If I have a lot of money and I really like a political candidate and I want to support them, uh, with more than, you know, $2,000 donation per year, then, um, you know, the, the reason why we have super PACs, I was decided in the 2010 Supreme Court decision, Citizens United, that we hear a lot about. But, you know, the argument was that I should be able to support the candidate that I want as long as I don't communicate with them at all. It should be completely separate. Um, and then, you know, no holds bar. I can do whatever I want. I can spend how much money I want. I just, I, I can't, for whatever reason, directly coordinate with the political campaign. Um, but what we're seeing here is that there's a lot of instances where the Clinton campaign was uh, 
coordinating directly with uh, the super PACs that David Brock is running, either sharing employees, purchasing research, or just uh, you know, a whole slew of coordination that was giving her an unfair and undemocratic advantage during the election. Because regardless of your feelings on super PACs, um, they weren't following the rules in place. And the rules are already extremely lax. So that, I mean, it's just it's blatant at this point. And uh, folks who are listening to us, go to thecitizensaudit.com. Once you're there, uh, on the right-hand side at the top, go under the resource category, and you can click number one. And I want people who are listening to follow along with this because, um, you know, you mentioned um, was it Al Capone uh, and his arrest for, for tax evasion. That's what they got him on despite the murders and all the other criminal activity and how that was kind of boring, but, you know, that's and he ended up dying in jail. And you have, uh, when pertaining to this article, you have um, straight from the FEC's website um, proof that the Clinton campaign coordinated and actually uh, gave money to a super PAC for services of, um, what was the services for? um, The the American Bridge 21st Century for Research Services. Yeah. For over $20,000. And this is a direct violation of super PAC rules? Yeah, well... um if there is a loophole that explains this, I think that that goes out of the wayside. When I looked into the into the metadata um, for this specific transaction, and you know, I was trying to figure out how did this go through because it's just a, it's a receipt that's posted that you know, both of these organizations reported on a twenty thousand uh, dollar disbursement from the Hillary Clinton campaign to American Bridge Twenty First Century for research services, and then American Bridge Twenty First Century recorded that receipt that they obtained that money from uh, from the Clinton campaign. And so that's a, a political campaign sending money to a super PAC. And, then, and I think to myself that super PACs can't coordinate with a political campaign. How, how did this go through? Is there any loophole that they used or, or what? And so um, I found on the Federal Election Commission's website, um, there's actually 25 data fields for every transaction that's submitted to the FEC. Uh, but publicly, only about half of those are actually displayed. And when I found this specific transaction, I found something really interesting, is that the uh, the Clinton campaign, when they logged this payment to the super PAC on line 21 on the entity type, they claimed that they were paying to an organization that's not a committee and not a person. Now, they have the option to select that they're paying to a PAC or political action committee, which American Bridge 21st Century is. So they fudged the receipt. And I think that um, there, there must be some system in place at the FEC to flag any transaction from a political committee to a political committee so they can look into that further. But they probably didn't even have the opportunity to look at this specific transaction because the claim campaign improperly logged this as a payment to a non-political committee, which is just totally false. So it just kind of diverted the... Um, the the safeguards in place um, in, in the system. That's the only explanation I have for this, and that's why I titled this as an illegal purchase because of that discrepancy. It looks very intentional. Um, you know, American British 21st Century, they, they have a political action com- committee ID with the FEC. H- how can they get away with saying that they're not a political organization apart from trying to fudge the transaction? Um, at the very least, like Everything that I'm putting out, I believe, we deserve to get a response from these organizations. They influenced opinions during our public elections, and they should be held accountable for the things that they were doing. 
I think it's only fair. And people would say, you know, at this point, as Donald Trump is the uh, winner of the election, that, you know, it's um, in bad taste and, um, you know, you, you got to leave the Clintons alone. The election's over. You can't you can't go after them. This is um, now you're getting into territory of, uh, you know, political um, persecution and whatnot. But this stuff is very important. And in order for, I mean, I mean can you imagine, one, if Trump was found to do, I mean, even half these things in his campaign, uh, how much the media would have plastered this all over uh, in the press and radio and TV, one. And then two, I believe they would have went after him legally, um, no doubt about it, um, if they had the opportunity to. But because it's Hillary Clinton and she is a, a career criminal when it comes to these matters from the Clinton Foundation and, you know, the Haiti Earthquake Relief Fund back to Benghazi, I mean, her whole career is, is a criminal from what I can tell in her husband's career. But this, I mean, it's just all these, these things that are, they're not really little, uh, but in order to run a fair election, these things have to be weeded out and stopped. And yep. the, the, there is no corrective measures being taken, uh, to make sure that stuff like this doesn't happen again. And, yeah. you know, we, we're, we continue to go through this laundry list of things from, you know, the IRS and media matters and, um, nobody being held accountable there to now the Clinton campaign illegally coordinated with, with a super PAC and, doing so under deceitful measures and i see under uh line line 21 they're listing it as an organization not a committee or a person so they intentionally tried to deceive uh themselves uh, also they tried to deceive the uh, from their own records and um well how I, could you i mean from what comey said there's no intent here well, this shows intent <laughs> yeah and what Andrew Kerr said, too, is enough is enough. Media matters directly participated in the political campaign. They no longer deserve to be recognized as a tax-exempt organization. At the very least, they should be held liable for back taxes for all of 2015. But there's more that should be done, obviously, as well. You've got a petition to the Department of Justice in addition to that. Yes. To audit media matters. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and yeah. um Back to the the uh, super PAC here. Um, what you, you lay out is you, you say that American Bridge 21st Century, um, the Clinton campaign lied to the FEC by deliberately reporting this transaction as not yep. a political committee but an organization, and that the Clinton campaign um, this should have been flagged as you as you already stated, and that um, and what they did this has gone unnoticed for over a year now. And um, nobody's been held accountable still. Um, and, and I guess I can summarize uh, this question for everything that you talk about tonight. Do you expect or do you see a point where we can hope for any indictments or uh, results to come from your investigations and, and illegalities that you found and pointed out in, in your research? Well, um, there's a quote from Thomas Jefferson where he says that the foundation for a... Um uh, uh, I'm messing this up, but like a, a competent electorate is, uh, you know, to, is education for people to be aware of, um, of, uh, what's, what's actually happening. So if people don't know what's happening, then how are they going to, going to care about it? How are they going to make noise about it? Um, I, I had the opportunity to, uh, you know, when I first started posting this, uh, this research, I got some questions saying that, hey, why didn't you just, you know, submit, uh, a document to the IRS, he could have cashed in. You know, there's like a 30% bounty or something like that. But um, it was just one voice coming forward 
and saying, uh, you know, with you know, with evidence, with facts, that can really easily be buried. But if a lot of people are making noise about something, then it becomes harder and harder to ignore what's happening. And I believe that the argument that I'm putting forward, it's fact-based. It's numbers. Uh, it's I'm, I'm using data that the organizations and questions themselves submitted. Um, and I think that if enough people make noise, it, it will just get to a point where, to where the government can't ignore this anymore. If they want to claim that, you know, the IRS has claimed all throughout the Obama administration that they're not a partisan organization, that they treat everybody equally. But I've had, I've had the opportunity to talk with people who have experienced running super PACs, and they said that we would never dream of doing any of the things that you're uncovering here. Even for the, even the thought or the, um, even to make it look, if there is an, an appearance that they were coordinating with the political campaign, one individual told me that he'd be scared of going to bed at night for fear of federal prosecution. Uh, where, and that's, so that's, you know, the conservative side, what the, the type of scrutiny that they're placed on. But we see here, it just time after time, questionable transactions or, you know, downright illegal fudging the books, but nothing. They just, you know, completely overlooked all the organizations on the left. And I'll, I'll be honest, if, if Donald Trump was doing this stuff or if Donald Trump super PACs were getting, were doing things like this, I'd be going after them just as hard. I, I believe that people should be, in, in America, there's one set of rules, and I don't care who you are, we, you should be held accountable to the same set of rules. Um, it's the only way to ensure that we have a fair and just society. And it just, uh, it, it really drives me to see that one side of the political aisle gets so much scrutiny, and the other side of the political aisle just gets nothing. It's, it's not fair. It's, this isn't a left or a right issue. It's just a, you know, it's a, it's just a fairness issue, to, to be completely honest. Yeah, and unfortunately, most things are, uh, in Washington DC are politicized and it's not about, you know, uh, it's about money and, and politics and influence and power and, and instead of what's right and what's wrong. It seems to have gone out the window a long time ago in oh, yeah. DC. And, um, we got just about two minutes till the break, but, uh, on the other side, I want to get into the, um, back to David Brock and the paper trails he has left. Very um, good, from yeah. the Democratic Super PACs disseminating funds to as many as uh, five nonprofit organizations and NGOs. Yes. And uh, activity tied directly back to the Clinton Foundation. And it's all, it's it kind of, the Clinton Foundation seems to be at the epicenter of a lot of things, doesn't it, uh, uh, Mr. Kerr? I mean, it's. Yeah, and in particular, um, the, the fundraiser that um, we'll, we'll be getting into, the, the Bonner Group. That's raising funds for Brock's group. Yes. Group. Um, they, they, they're in, they're all over WikiLeaks emails. They, they actually fundraised for the Clinton Foundation. Um, they didn't collect any payments. So that's why they didn't show up on the Clinton Foundation's tax return documents. But yeah, um, the, the money makers are, you know, working for the Clinton Foundation and as well as, uh, as for Brock's organization. So, so you've got, just to be clear, you've got information on the Bonner group, correct? Um, about how it ties into things? Yes. Okay. Because we have gotten so many emails uh, from from our listeners asking us to have somebody on to talk about the Bonner Group and how it fits into the, the ties into the Clinton Foundation and other uh, recent events. So I'm glad that you're. Well, I, I'm the Bonner Group is my brainchild. Um, that's uh, the first bit of research I, I put out starting early July. So that that can all be drawn drawn back to me. Okay. Okay. Because yeah, we're. Uh, 
there will be a mutiny if we don't uh, allow you to talk about that or have you talk about that, the Bonner Group. And, and folks, this is important stuff tonight. Andrew Kerr is our guest. His website, thecitizensaudit.com, excellent research. And, of course, uh, Mr. Kerr is an IT uh, specialist, but he's in data man- management analytics building uh uh, off a degree in computer science, but let me tell you the investigations he has conducted, the research he has conducted. Yeah, on, check out citizensaudit.com. Yeah. yeah. There is a, a great, uh, it's, it's put together very nicely, um, for people to go through, uh, and even follow along as we do the show, but to go back through by category or, um, by topic and you can, um, read these stories, see the records. He puts the screenshots of, of uh, a lot of the records right in the articles, which makes it, along with the hyperlinks, which makes it very easy to uh, to go through. And there's a lot of, I mean, it's very important information here. Uh, basically how the Clinton campaign worked as a criminal organization and was left unchecked even after the election and the proof has come out. We'll be right back after these short messages with Andrew Kerr uh, for our third and final hour. Stay with us. Watching the Hagman Hagman Report right here on Global Star Radio Network, also on BTR, that's Blog Talk Radio, as well as YouTube Live. Folks, go to HagmanReport.com, bookmark that website. Great big thank you to John Robertson. A great big thank you to every, everyone who has uh, said a prayer for us and helped us in our mission and helped those in their missions to ferret out the truth. I want to thank each and every one of you. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much. Especially at this time of year, uh, th- this time of year we we really take stock and in inventory as we do all the time. But you know, it has a special meaning at this time of year. It seems like, and um, you know, we just we just want to extend our thanks to each and every one of you for being listeners, for sharing your time with us. We will not squander your time at all, and hopefully, well, I believe we believe that you will leave our program better, more informed than when you came. Before we get back to our guest, and our guest is Andrew Kerr, his website is thecitizensaudit.com, a very informative website. And we're going to be talking about the Bonner Group. Those of you who have sent in emails, many of you, about the Bonner Group, uh, we're going to be talking about this. And actually, all of the all of the um, interest with respect to the Bonner Group Originates from the investigative work product of Andrew Kerr, our guest, who's on video tonight. So that's great. But before we get back to Mr. Uh, Mr. Kerr, I want to mention tradingpostinthewoods.com. If you haven't gone there, tradingpostinthewoods.com. This is a fantastic website. It is. It represents an American-owned and operated store run by a team of crisis first responders. They have collectively responded to 18 major disasters. They have combined the 27 years of experience. The owners have learned firsthand about destruction, chaos, lack of preparedness, and the reality after the storm, so to speak. Now, they have a passion to help those who want to be prepared for life in general 
in the, in the event uh, in the event of a disaster. So they specialize in comprehensive natural survival remedy kits. And folks, you know it's difficult because you cannot make claims at all when when when, in, when you talk about homeopathic things. I can just tell you that I have experienced with our family, the Hagman family has experienced unbelievable benefit from the products at tradingpostinthewoods.com. Now, go to tradingpostinthewoods.com. They have packages especially, especially for you, the listeners of the Hagman Report, homesteading supplies, skills training, uh, homeopathy, herbal, herbal, uh, preparedness skills. Homesteading skills, wide range to choose from in terms of information, products. They, they've got a store. It's an it's a store on the internet, but but think of it this way: it's a store like the ones perhaps your great grandparents used to shop at. The same charm, hospitality, but with improved products and trainings. And folks, the more prepared you are before the crisis, the easier it will be. Visit Trading Post in the Woods. Dot com. That's tradingpostinthewoods.com, tradingpostinthewoods.com. And also mention, you heard this on the Hagman and Hagman Report. And if you have any questions, they're very responsive. So email um, the tradingpostinthewoods.com if you do have any questions. Back to Andrew Kerr right now. Yes, a- Andrew, you've caused a stir now with the Bonner Report. Talk to us because I, I, I'll just throw this out. Um, one of the emails, I remember this. Hey, did you know that Pat Bonner, the Bonner Group, and David Brock share a house in the Hamptons, I believe it was? And I, I could be wrong in the location, but they share a house. I mean, this is how incestuous all this is. But but you're the guy that caused the, the caused all the interest in the Bonner Group as it relates to the Clinton yeah. Foundation. Yeah, I, um, my my first bit of research, I wasn't connecting my my name with it. Um, you know, I, I was still employed with another company, so it's you know it's kind of scary and intimidating putting this stuff out there. But then then I started connecting my name with it. Uh, yeah, they, they share the house in the Hamptons. Um, that was reported by the New York Times in, in early 2015. But all the stuff about them not being properly registered um, and the way that they move money from organization to organization inside of the media matters conglomerate, um, yeah, that, that was um, that, that, that was me. Um, I'm, I'm proud, very proud to say. Wow. So, uh, so, so, so now... Uh, you got a target on your back for a lot of reasons, but that's uh, that would earn you a bigger one because you're you're poking at the bear of some powerful inst- uh, institutes and people inside the beltway, so to speak. So, all right, who who's the what is the Bonner Group? Who is it? Who's associated with it? And what role do they play? And how does this interrelate with the Clinton Foundation and all of the criminality we see? Well, I'll. I'll start off with the with the Clinton Foundation because um, when when I did my when I was doing my research for for the the Bonner Group, I was focused on IRS uh, Form 990s. That's the uh, yearly return for a nonprofit organization. So they're public documents. You can see them on, online, and they have to report if they use a professional uh, fundraiser or a professional solicitor, which the Bonner Group is. So originally, I thought they had no connection with the with the Clinton campaign because they weren't listed on any of the Clinton Foundation's uh, tax return documents. But on a with an email released by WikiLeaks, um, uh, dated February 11th, 2015, Mary Pat Bonner wrote to John Podesta 
having raised money for free for the Clinton Foundation, having offered to raise it for free uh, when I helped ready for Hillary, um, but the lawyers wouldn't let me, and then having to offer to raise funds for Priorities USA Action for free, uh, I find this story me trying to make money off her candidacy super upsetting and a lie. Uh, so that was back in, in, in 2015. So what that tells us is that the Bonner Group has worked with the Clinton Foundation, but since they did it for free, it doesn't show up in their in their tax return documents. It's not illegal to raise money for a tax for a charitable organization for free, so that's not an issue there. Uh, what's really interesting though is that the Bonner Group is now directly connected to the Clinton Foundation. They're just not on the books, but the Bonner Group has used their um, network of donors. And, and her skill set and her assets to help raise money for the Clinton Foundation. So that can be confirmed. Okay. Um, All right. And, and just so people know, the Bonner Group was established back in uh, February of 1995. It's a corporation based in Virginia, and or at least it has a Virginia P.O. Box address. It's a uh, multi-million dollar corporation. Um what am I leaving yeah. out here? And jump in any time. Well, Go ahead. What was really strange for me and what really got me down this this particular rabbit hole was that I was reading things like that. Like They are reportedly one of the most uh, successful and influential Democratic fundraisers. And so, I, okay, what's the Bonner Group? And I could find nothing on them at the time. In, in mid-July, there's this one article from the New York Times in 2015 that they were uh, – that, that was what that email was about, dated February 11th, 2015 – but nothing else, not a website, not anything. I couldn't, and that just, that raised alarms because how, how can you have the most successful, influential Democratic fundraiser have no information about them at all, aside from one article from the New York Times? And so I, um, I started looking into them more and, and found that they had a slew of registration issues. They weren't properly registered anywhere that I was looking. Um, they weren't properly registered in what, in uh, Virginia as a professional solicitor, despite the fact that their corporation is incorporated in Virginia. They weren't registered as a solicitor. Their registration, their registration was revoked in Washington, D.C. Um, they had a slew of issues in terms of what they were reporting to Colorado. And pretty much every other state that I looked at, comparing the requirements for what professional solicitors and fundraisers need to give to particular states, it's very confusing because every state is different, but the Bonner Group wasn't meeting any of those standards for any of the states that I looked at. Now, what's really interesting and really fascinating is um, the effect that, that my research has had. And I have a, a post uh, just titled uh, November Status Update to where after I after my research on the Bonner Group sort of went viral, I had a, one of my articles got reposted by uh, Zero Hedge uh, which got 700,000 views and then got reposted by Sean Handy and Drudge Report. Um, so it, it, it got out there and one of the key points was that the Bonner Group was unregistered. Um, that article was was published on September 19th, and I'm really glad I took screenshots because it shows clearly on Washington, D.C.'s registration page for the Bonner Group that they were revoked. However, on September 22nd, just three days after my article went viral, they filed their uh, their documents with Washington, D.C. to bring them back to um to an active status in Washington, D.C. in terms of uh, uh, being a professional solicitor. And that's even more interesting because I, I received no emails. I received no uh, communication from their from their lawyers or, or really from, from anybody. Not even notification to, to request that I cor- correct my article 
to reflect that they had changed their registration, and that's why I overlooked it until no, until late November, because um, they just they haven't contacted me. They're just ignoring me, despite the fact that they changed they they fixed their registration status very quietly uh, shortly after my research started getting out there and started getting attention. Um, so wow, yeah, so, yeah. So that's you that. that uh, sorry for for jumping okay. in here. Uh, so the, was this? Uh, am I correct in saying that they're they updated their um, registration just days after your article came out? That's what, yeah. And this is how these yeah. people work too. But that's what he was. Yeah, to cover their butts. Yep. Wow. Okay. So on uh, yeah, on September nineteenth, you published an article exposing fraudulent money transfers between organization organizations shared by David Brock. Right after that, Zero Hedge, Sean Hannity, and many others reposted, restated what you found. And then one of the key aspects of your research was how Brock used an unregistered professional solicitor, that is the Bonner Group, to manage his entire fundraising overhead. Um, and then you go on to, to, to report that on September 19, 2016, the Bonner Group's D.C. registration was showing as revoked. Then, days later, the registration became active. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Uh, it was also fixed in Virginia. Uh, in v- Virginia, despite the fact that they incorporated in 1995, um, we're still showing as uh, registration pending. So they had told Virginia that they're, you know, they're going to raise charitable funds. They just never completed the registration, but. Now, if you go to that website, they're they're active in Virginia too, um, and I'm sure many other states. But um, <laughs> they haven't taken the time to to notify me that they've changed their registration status. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So now, all right. And again, about the the Bonner Group because we're uh, because of the number of emails that we had received and, and the investigating to me investigating the Bonner Group when I when I was looking at it just briefly uh, and nothing like you have done it was kind of like researching a moving target it was difficult at best and you point that out but um, let's see here Media Matters nine ninety the organization has a Merrill Lynch account. Um, We'll, we'll go on with that. If if you have any additional things to report about the Bonner Group. Um. Yeah, well, what's really interesting with the Bonner Group in relation to uh, David Brock's organizations is, well, first of all, the, the Bonner Group shares office space with, with Media Matters, and these they're one of the 14 organizations that I'm, that I'm talking about here. So they're incorporated in Virginia, but they her desk sits right next to David Brock's. Wow. So not only do they share office in the Hamptons, they they, they, they share office space. Wow, um, and these fourteen organizations—I—I I, I believe it's six or seven of them—are nonprofits. So we can see their form nine nineties. So the, the way that nonprofits works is it's just a system of one-way verification that the um, IRS has has built in, to so where you can see um, who, what organizations a, a nonprofit is donating money money to in terms of a money grant, but you cannot see. Who's giving a nonprofit money? So, the mentality is that if you if you have a full understanding of uh, of the situation with all the individual tax returns, then you can see okay, who's giving money to who, and then kind of piece together from there. But if you if you aren't even aware that there's 14 organizations in one office space, then it's kind of hard to tell to to piece together uh, 
how they're transferring money to each other. You have to piece, you have to find all the organizations first. And then I, I noticed in their tax return documents that they're passing money from one another. In particular, this, this is the most prominent example I have is in 2014, um, I'm highlighting a specific bucket of Media Matters, uh, total revenue for the year. I believe they, they brought in about $10 million worth of uh, donations, but I'm focused on a one point, um, a one point six zero six two million dollar donation to Media Matters for America, which was applied a hundred thirty two thousand dollar commission from the Bonner Group. They operate off of a twelve point five percent commission, and that leaves Media Matters with nine hundred thirty thousand dollars. Media Matters then sent that nine hundred thirty thousand dollars in form of a money grant to the Franklin Education Forum, a five hundred one c three organization. The Bonner Group collects another hundred sixteen thousand dollar commission. And the Franklin Education Forum retains $813,000. Now, the Franklin Education Forum in 2014 only took in $860 million after they paid off the, uh, I'm sorry, $860,000 uh, from after paying the Bonner Group's commission. So the vast majority of that came from Media Matters. But Franklin Education Forum then sends that $813,000 that was originally from Media Matters for America and then sends it off to the Franklin Forum, a 501c4, where the Bonner Group receives another $101,000 commission and the Franklin Forum receives $712,000. So I think everybody's confused. <laughs> so they're point. making three commission, tra- yeah, three commission, uh, at least, you know, in upwards of $100,000 per transaction, just yeah. circling the money around different organizations. Yeah, a 12.5% cut after every pass. And money's constantly being, it, it, it comes into one organization and then they cut a check in form of a money grant to another organization and that commission payment, I mean, the math shows it, um, that the Bonner Group is receiving a, a commission on, on those funds again. It's a, it's a double payment. And in this particular example, the money gets passed three times. It goes from Media Matters to the Franklin Education Forum to the Franklin Forum. And furthermore, we know that the Bonner Group is receiving this commission multiple times because the Franklin Education Forum has, there's a specific line item where it states, did you receive money or give money to another organization to help pay their expenses? And they select no for both of them. So that shows us that the money that the Franklin Education Forum said that they paid the Bonner Group for came from the Franklin Education Forum. So that it's you know, a bit of a long-winded argument, but that it's we, we can say... You know, with close to absolute certainty that yes, the the Bonner Group is receiving multiple commission payments on the same money that's being passed for multiple times from organizations that share the same office space. That's the craziest thing about it. It's essentially David Brock is cutting a check for one million dollars from his left hand to his right hand, and he's paying the Bonner Group one hundred thirty thousand dollar commission for the services. It's ridiculous. You you state it right here on your website in your November article, I believe it is. Uh uh, no, September 19th, 2016 article, Money Laundering Scheme Exposed, 14 pro-Clinton super PACs and non-profits implicated, but you stated flat out, David Brock is laundering money. And I and I used the money laundering. I, I got a lot of comments, and there are good comments, saying that this looks more like a skimming scheme than a money laundering scheme. And the mentality at the time was that the Bonner Group was unregistered, and so just the fact that they're unregistered, would imply they're taking in dirty money because there's no safeguards to ensure where that money's coming from. 
and then it gets washed as it goes in and out of the organization. Well, what about foreign entities? Because it, you could not track foreign money, right? Uh, we wouldn't. You wouldn't know. Exactly, and that's um that's why I'm pushing for an official audit of their books. Uh, because yeah, um, we just see that it's coming in through the Bonner Group. We have no way to know if that that money is foreign money or domestic money, and. Nonprofits are supposed to state if they're raising money internationally, but uh, since it's coming through the Bonner Group, that's a that can you know kind of obfuscate the the data. So we don't know for sure. The Bonner Group has some registration issues, and so those safeguards aren't in place, or they weren't at the time. But I mean, really, we need somebody to go in there and look at their books and verify that there wasn't any foreign money coming in, because we can see that you know specifically to Media Matters, that money's eventually making its way to super PACs that were directly influencing our elections, and also, as I show in my website, multiple articles were directly coordinating with the Clinton campaign. So it's, it's very concerning. It's, it's, it's complicated. There's no denying that. But, yeah, there's a, there's a potential that foreign money was coming in through the Bonner Group. Okay. All right. Now, it's complicated, but it's important. And, and you, do a, you do a nice job in, in recapping this, in my view, if I can understand it, um, uh, you know, any, any time, any investigation I ever had where there was a, an issue of money, a very complex money trail, we'd always have the ability to call in forensic accountants. Um, looking at this, however, you know, you, you, you make it easy for me to understand. Um, and I would urge everyone to go to thecitizensaudit.com and look up the September 19th article where yeah, well, you, you spell it out nicely. I'm not, I, I won't read it, uh, but but you recap it nicely, and, and you uh, and you lay it out. Where let's say you donate a million sixty-two thousand to Media Matters for America. This is how David Brock would have used your charitable, charitable donations in 2014. And you go through the steps and, and the the multiple commissions to the uh, Bonner Group, and then okay, wow, this is just this is crazy. Now, yeah. okay. So, what about the Clinton Foundation, or, or where do we go from here? Is it time that can we address the Clinton Foundation here? Your findings with respect to the, how the Clinton Foundation fits in all this, or where do we go from here at this point? Well, to be honest, I only have a, a weak connection to the to the Clinton Foundation with that that leaked email that shows that um, uh, the the Bonner Group was okay. raising funds for the Clinton Foundation. Um, like I said, the the start. Uh, a couple segments ago that I started this research under the impression that the Clintons were completely in- immune from any sort of uh, prosecution. So I, I focused on her supporting cast. Um, but I have plenty to share about her, uh, the connection with the Clinton political campaign um, and all these organizations. So okay. again, not the Clinton Foundation, but the campaign, yes, I got a lot on that. All right, l- let's do that. We- we've got about four minutes before we bomb the other break, and we'll keep you for a little bit with your permission after that. But um, uh, yeah, let's l- let's address that because there's some murkiness and some obfuscation with respect to Clinton. Uh, you've done some remarkable work with the money trail with uh, with Clinton. So, we'll, we'll, yeah, where where do we start there? Or, well, I think that. What's the most glaring thing you found there? Well, um, the, the most glaring violation is uh, the uh, Correct the Record Super PAC, that the organization that uh, that employed online uh, commenters, they're paying them for pro-Hillary comments online. And 
Correct the Record came out before the campaign started, they said that we intend to coordinate directly with Hillary Clinton and her campaign because we're only engaging in non-paid Internet communications. And so they were, you know, the, the law is very confusing, but they were trying to claim that we can do this because it's, we're not paying for the communications online. We're just paying the people making those communications so we can receive marching orders from the Clinton campaign. But Campaign Legal Center, a, a separate organization, filed a, a 52-page uh, Federal Election Commission complaint against Correct the Record in uh, early October. And they listed out 17 uh, items to where Correct the Record was coordinating with the Clinton campaign, and it had nothing to do with Internet communications. And so I, I took that report, and I just I piggybacked off of that, and I just listed out all the um, all the violations. And what essentially happened here was that the uh, correct the record was providing in-kind contributions to the Clinton campaign. So an in-kind contribution is not a cash donation, but if I give a political candidate, let's say $10,000 worth of consulting services, then the political campaign needs to report that I gave them $10,000 worth of services. That's a, you know, a thing that I gave them. It wasn't money, but it was still something of value. And so Correct the Record was providing the Clinton campaign with millions of dollars worth of uh, in-kind contributions, uh, and it's entirely illegal because super PACs are prohibited from doing that. Uh, things like opposition research, uh, following around um, her primary opponents, uh, Bernie Sanders, um, and Martin O'Malley during, on the campaign trail uh, to catch them in gaffes, uh, staffing a 30-person war room uh, to, to, clen- to defend Clinton during the um, uh, Benghazi hearings, um, and, and actually producing campaign ads um, in, uh, in Nevada. Um, I mean, the list just goes on and on. Uh, that has nothing to do with their supposed loophole of relying solely on Internet communication. This is actual, you know, like research and you know, political activity that they were directly coordinating with the Clinton campaign. Um, and so it's just uh, one more aspect of uh, we see on the conservative side that you know, people are worried about being prosecuted if it even appears that they're coordinating with a political campaign. And on the left, with Correct the Record and David Rock, they're openly and you know, just brazenly uh, coordinating with the Clinton campaign without any fear of, um, of penalty or, um, or prosecution. Yeah, and I'm looking at the article. Um, David Brock is running an illegal shadow campaign for Hillary Clinton. And looking at uh, what the work you put together here with some of the employees and other people, and mm-hmm. I mean, between the American Bridge and, and Correct the Record, um, which is, uh, you know, you can't have that overlap there between the two organizations, but they have constant overlap, one, and it's uh, it's illegal. And, um, I mean, just to, to go through case after case and to see the proof the way you put it, um, you know, in, in all these different issues from the, the super PACs to, um, you know, the, the registration to Media Matters to all these different organizations, it just boggles my mind how they can commit so many crimes and get away with each and every one of them without, you know, raising any red flags inside any uh, oversight organizations or um, accountability boards. No, I mean, we didn't see any of this during the, the political campaign in any of the mainstream news outlets. And... I didn't, I didn't, yeah, who, uh, oh, we're up against the break. Yeah, who's supposed to oversee all this? Is, I mean, we have the FEC, um, and then is there, uh, other government, is it all governmental organizations that oversee, uh, these types of events? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so no yeah, we, citizen accountability boards or senatorial or house committees overseas. It's all government organizations like IRS, FEC. Not from what I've been able to find. And I think we have our answer as to why uh, we did not see this during the campaign. Folks, we're talking with Andrew Kerr from thecitizensaudit.com. We have one more segment left. When we come back, stay with us. Don't go anywhere. David uh, Andrew Kerr from thecitizensaudit.com. Stay with us. Is our guest, thecitizensaudit.com. What a remarkable job Andrew Kerr has done. This, when you get, when you start, when you, when you begin to understand the implications here, we're talking about a lot of money. We're talking about the organizations that are, uh, within the, within the beltway associated with the power brokers and David Brock, Hillary Clinton, the, the familiar names. But it expands from there, and it's interesting. Those of you who have asked about the Bonner Group, well, here is the man that really started the conversation about the Bonner Group, and I do, I do suspect. And now, after today, it's going to be a little bit more elevated. His visibility will be more elevated, in particular uh, reference to the Bonner Group and their incestuous relationship with with Brock Media Matters for America. It's very interesting, to say the least. Before we get back to Mr. Kerr, I want to ask, have you, folks, have you thought about coconuts lately? <laughs> yeah, it's a weird question, right? Well, worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops. In fact, companies like Coke and Pepsi, many high net worth individuals have invested in coconuts as growth investments for long term income. Direct ownership of fully managed coconut acreage is now available to accredited investors. And it could yield as much as 15% per year. It's a triple bottom line opportunity. It generates a measurable, measurable, beneficial social and environmental impact alongside an attractive financial return that lasts up to 60 long years. So you got to think when you're planning for the future, you're planning for the future of your children as well. You can help precious timber. You can help precious timber create jobs, educate children, protect our planet by growing coconuts on prime farmland close to the tropical Costa Rica border if you're interested in this and, and for those people who are looking for oh, a uh, self-directed IRA type situation or a plain investment folks contact contact profitsincoconuts.com precious timber actually profitsincoconuts.com or just simply call 855-888-6288 to receive more information now at this this does not constitute uh, either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation to offer or of an offer to purchase. Offering made by perspective only, perspectives only, call 855-888-6288 or simply visit profitsincoconuts.com. That's profitsincoconuts.com. One more thing about that. Um, Alex Wilson, who heads up Precious Timber. Folks, you're going to be hearing so much more about this because Alex Wilson has got some 
really great plans um, that, well, you, I know you're going to be interested in. Um, I, that, that's all. That's all I'm going to say right now. Visit Precious Timber. Okay, visit PreciousTimber.com and have a look around. And uh, accredited investors, contact Alex Wilson. Contact Profits and Coconuts. Call 855-888-6288. Getting back to Andrew Kerr. And, of course, that's the lady or studio dog. Regular, checking in regular, as usual, this time of night, checking in right here from the studio. Uh, but anyway, let's bring it back on Mr. Kerr. And uh, um, we were talking before the break. Joe, you were talking before the break about the... Uh, uh, well, Mr. Kerr, go ahead and pick up where, where you left off there. Uh, we left a couple of things hanging about, well, the, the tangential relationship to the Clinton uh, Foundation. But, well... Yeah, we were talking about the oversight. Uh, oversight of that. Yeah, exactly. And there is none, yeah. really. No no, outside oversight. Uh, but, but how do we fight this? I mean, how, what do we do here? Well, that was the question that I was asking just a couple months ago. Um, I, I, I opened up this, uh, this site of mine in early September. It's only been, uh, about three months now since it's been live. And I was sitting on this mountain of data and just thinking to myself, okay, what, what do I do now? I was also thinking, why am I the person that's sitting on this? Why, why, where is the oversight? Why aren't, why isn't the media looking into this? Why isn't the government looking into this? Uh, you know, all, a lot of the stuff that that put out, I've, you know, had the opportunity to talk to people um, who have a lot of experience with um, with super PACs and um, you know nonprofits and political campaigns, and they're and they're like, yeah, Andrew, this is some this is some legitimate stuff that you're putting out, right? And it just it still boggles my mind that um, there is so much opportunity for citizen journalism out there because the mainstream media completely dropping the ball. There is so much stuff out there that you can just, I think you can just pick a topic, do some research, and, and you're going to come across things that on on the surface that are newsworthy. And then you're going to try to look up, okay, what are other people talking about this? And there, there's going to be nothing out there because I, I don't think that the media today, which is one of those key institutions that's supposed to be looking over the, go- the government and our leaders, is just completely dropping the ball on actual journalism. So there's a lot of opportunity for for people like us, and I think that we need an activated citizenry or activated electorate to pick up the slack of the failing news media and the failing safeguards in our in our institutions um, to you know stand yeah. up and utilize our rights. Um, that, I mean, that's my mission statement. I'm I'm utilizing my right to a free press. I'm, well, you I'm, still have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if you don't if we don't use our rights, we're going to lose our rights. The the only reason why you know gun control measures are even part of the conversation is because people aren't open carrying around. They're not utilizing that right, so people don't care about losing a right that they're not using. Um, Good point. So that's that's a different conversation for a different time. But a free press that's very important. And if we don't utilize our rights to a free press, we're going to lose our free press. So. And today, the only free press is um, in you know independent journalism. I'm 33 years old. I don't remember the mainstream media ever. Um, really holding people account. It's always been since I've been paying attention and even looking back uh, before you know that time. 
um, since I've been born. I don't remember the media ever holding politicians accountable or um, people that have influence over over the media. For some reason, there is just this uh, incestuous relationship between corrupt politicians, power, money, and the media. And it's not like it was when you know journalists were you know seeking after Pulitzer prizes and um, doing actual investigative journalism. There came a time where it has completely gone in the tank for you know the, to the dark side and the corrupt side. And now uh, this narrative of fake news and um, the media, we saw it with this last campaign, which I think woke so many people up to doing their own research, was how biased the media was. And um, since the mainstream media is the way it is, there is only the alternative media and independent journalism left, and they're trying to obviously shut that down because of the impact it's having. Um, But we need more people like yourself out there actually looking into these matters and, uh, as you said, pick an issue and, and start going down that rabbit hole and you will, you will find something, uh, for the most part. And, um, this is a great example. I'm, and, um, you know, we tip our hats to you for, uh, being the person who gathered all this information and actually, you know, um, started reporting on it and creating a website. What, uh, you obviously have a, a, a good future as a, a journalist, um, if you had your option, what what's uh, what are some of the things you'd like to report on, or is this right up your alley? The the uh, financial and and um, uh, looking into um, these matters of uh, finance and and politics. Uh, what would yeah, you thanks like for to report asking on? this question? Um, you know, uh, I, I I hope to be able to make a career out of this. Um, it past couple of months, you know, pushing the story, I've, I've been among the most enjoyable in my career, the most fulfilling. So I hope to, you know, have an opportunity to continue doing this work. And to be honest, going after corruption, like like I've been going after, is, is really kind of a, a downer. It's not a positive story. It's it's really negative. And um, how, how can we influence positive change in our society when, you know, our leaders are not following the rules when, the, when they're corrupt? But it's just... Corruption is so dangerous to our to the operation of a free society, in my opinion, that you can't focus on anything until you you know get these bad actors um, out of the positions of power. Um, I hope to have the opportunity to do research into you know, things like uh, why is college so expensive? You know, there's a lot of proposals out there. There's a lot of talk about student loan forgiveness or free college, but there seems to be no discussion. You know, about why is it so expensive in the first place? Um, you know, when I worked in IT, uh, root cause analysis was a big deal. We would fix the issue, and then we would conduct root cause analysis to try to figure out what needs to be done in order to ensure that the email servers aren't going to, you know, crash um, at the height of business again. Uh, we don't want to have a repeat of that critical situation to do root cause analysis. And there doesn't seem to be any root cause analysis in any of the issues that's facing America. We don't understand why college is so expensive. So how can we fix college costs? We don't really understand why so many people are on welfare and depend on welfare, so how can we get the people off of welfare? I'd really like to do some research on that. Um, and, and so many other things. I'm just drawing a, a, a little blank here, but um, I'm really passionate about those issues. I've done some preliminary research on, on college costs, and um, I'm looking forward to the opportunity, you know, whenever it comes to, you know, dig into that more, but um I think that we need to do some root cause analysis on on the issues that are facing this country 
And that's going to take some really hard-nosed, thorough journalism. Um, and I don't think that the mainstream media has what it takes because, you know, a, a guy like me is just coming out and producing work like this. And I've gotten so many comments from people saying that this is better than 95% of the media that's out there currently, which is really oh, scary yeah. uh, to me that uh, why are people even feeling that? Like, what? why is there such an opportunity for, for people to come in and, and replace the news media? Well, it, this is proof that the news, I mean, it's irrelevant. I don't understand why anybody's really paying attention to them anymore. They've been totally exposed and they're just, they're incompetent at this point. And so, you know, I mean, people to step out of their comfort zone and, and, you know, start speaking up, utilize their rights to the free press and just, uh, go for it. And so, yeah. Yeah. And, um, why is the mainstream media so irrelevant? And, and it's because there, you know, mentioned the show, there is no investigative reporting. If you look at any and all of, of the talking heads on, on any of the mainstream media channels, they sit at their desk and they read from teleprompters and they're paid to read what other people have written. Um, and report the way, uh, their organization, um, tells them to report. It's not, they don't have the, the capabilities or ability or don't want to, at least, uh, in my opinion, to go out there. You know, the only time they go out there is that there's a big story and they're all, you know, lined up one next to the other next to the other and they're reporting facts that were given to them by, um, the police or their news organization and still reading, you know, cues in off the teleprompter. They're not, independently thinking going out there and trying to uncover scandals and um you know actually doing good investigative work they're just being told what to say and you know being given a bunch of makeup and money and put on a chair and and they say it what they're told to and for some reason um they got stuck in this in this mold of of and now they've just gone off the rails and to the point where they are irrelevant like you said and i think this election has really exposed them this election cycle has exposed them to how irrelevant they really are. And, uh, Dick Cheney said it in a meeting or in a, a conference he was at speaking about Trump and he explained in just a few sentences how, um, Donald Trump has circumvented the need for the mainstream media because of social media and, uh, him knowing how to, to interact with, um, you know, the people independent of the media. And, you know, he was right on the money and with, I just don't see it's going to come down to you know as people continue to like you said step out of their comfort zone do the do the the work um which it is work to dig through uh, information and find what you're looking for um but nobody else is going to do it and and we need as many people who are independent thinkers and and to go out there and and gather the facts and present them in a uh, coherent way and that's just not seen today in our mainstream media they they say, say what they want and they say what they're told to say. They don't, you know, they're not based on the facts. And if anybody's presenting fake news, it is the mainstream media. And it's, um, it's just really good to see somebody, um, being able to, to put this stuff together and make a difference. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, I'll tell you, Andrew, uh, got about two minutes here in closing. Anything you'd like to, to add that we didn't cover here or you'd like to uh, promote, say, here in the next uh, couple of minutes uh, as we close close this out? Yeah, well, um, I, I do have more uh, information that, that I'm sitting on um, that I do plan to, to release. Um, it's really important for me to not just put out something that looks interesting. I actually... Uh, I guess my, my research method is to actually try as hard as possible to disprove what I'm finding. 
Um, and so that, that's just a time consuming process. And I'm actually quite hesitant on, on the words that, that I use because these are some really serious allegations. And I don't want to, I want, I don't want to be involved in clickbait journalism of just posting false, uh, fake news, if you want to call it that. Um, I want to make sure that the information I'm putting out is, is valid. So, um, apart from saying that, uh, it'll be done when it's done, I don't have a real time frame when it's coming out. Um, I do plan to, you know, post, uh, regular updates, but I'm, I'm sitting on some, on really exciting, um, data that I'm, I'm looking forward to, to bringing out. It, it does have, it, all my research so far has been on David Brock's organizations. <laughs> Shout out to David Brock for giving me so much material. Providing <laughs> me with an amazing opportunity, and I, I can't thank you enough. Um, so, uh, there's my sarcastic uh, hat tip to him. Um, so, yeah, and then, um, yeah, moving forward, there, I just, uh, I, I want to continue doing, uh, work like this. Like I was saying, um, I think that, uh, college costs, if I have the opportunity, will be my, uh, my next step looking at things like, you know, long-term welfare dependency and, and just all these, uh, you know, issues that are facing the country that we don't really know why we're facing them in the, in the first place. And yeah, just how, how can you fix something if you don't understand why it's happening? Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me, but that's how that's it, that's, that's how we've been going after issues in this country for the longest time. And we have uh, politicians that are just kind of throwing policy ideas out there without really knowing what they, what they talk about. So, you know, I, I hope to be just one of the many voices that is, um, you know, providing uh, a, a root cause analysis on the issues facing our, our country. So, well, you've done some absolutely incredibly precise work, and I applaud. We applaud your work at thecitizensaudit.com, and we were we would urge everyone to visit the website and take in the investigative findings because uh, you do really connect the financial dots on this, and I. I think this is what has been missing in mm-hmm. the larger picture of things. And I want to thank you for providing this because we like to, as a news, investigative news organization, we like to connect all of the dots. And this is one big important one. And you, you've done a stellar job in your work. Well, thank there. you. It's, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me on. All right, my, my friend. And we do hope you'll come on again and enlighten us with your future investigative results and your search research uh, findings as well. So, Thank you. Thank you, brother. All right. That was uh, Andrew Kerr. He's an investigative reporter at thecitizensaudit.com, thecitizensaudit.com. And it's, uh, his work is fantastic, and he's a uh, very articulate, very precise young man. And if you read his articles, wow really some great stuff so we're really blessed to have him we are blessed to have him on for that length of time um yeah man he's he's and you've got to go through that joe it's a it's an amazing uh doc connecting exercise and when he when he mentioned the bonner group and i'm I'm gonna tell you we have a lot of people who just i know have zeroed in on that and and really I appreciate that. But anyway, uh, the, the fake news narrative, which, which again, this kind of goes along with what Mr. Kerr had talked about, is, to me, the extremely important. And I, and I saw a note here. I, I had a, I have a lot of, uh, notes that I just kind of tossed onto a, uh, Word document. 
Clinton had said that it was, it's now clear that the epidemic of malicious fake news and false propaganda has or could have real world, real world consequences. And he, of course, or she, of course, used that to use the, the, the event at Comet Pizza as the basis for that, the comment. Well, yeah, and there's an interesting article out of RT today. There, Washington yeah, Post submits an article on Russian propaganda and fake news based on sham research. And it talks about, uh, we mentioned this with, with Dave on in the first hour, how, um, Washington Post under the threat of, uh, legal action was forced to add an editor's note distancing the paper from, uh, the dubious website Prop or Not, which it had initially go. endorsed a group as a nonpartisan experts on Russian propaganda. The Post came under fire on social media for its provocative hit piece, which claimed that Russia's increasingly sophisticated propaganda campaign actually influenced the presidential election. But today, Hillary Clinton yep. came out at Harry Reid's uh, retirement party or whatever that was going on there and claimed that she was um, victim of the fake news narrative, and that's what you know won Trump the election. Well, it, had, it wasn't her lying. It wasn't her murderous past. It wasn't you know because of creating fake news that a YouTube video was responsible for Benghazi. It wasn't her creating fake news that she was under sniper fire after landing in the runway. Um, none of that stuff. It was it was fake news about her that won Trump the election. Is what she's claiming. I mean, these um, people are are just, uh, they're doubling down their brain-dead push, and I think the people can see right through it, even those who don't listen to the alternative media, uh, if they've been paying any bit of attention to what's really going on. That's yeah, extremely accurate, and your statement is very accurate. Then there's an interesting, um, I wanted to touch on this, because I don't know if you saw this, I read this article early earlier, Homeland Security tried to hack Georgia voting office. Oh, I saw that, office. yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm waiting for the article to come up. I don't know if we're having some difficulties well, okay. here, but there was a, a DHS yeah. uh, computer was used to hack into the voting office at in a database and and get um, they try to breach their firewall is what was stated initially. Um, yeah, they, they issued uh, Georgia's Secretary of State had has claimed that the DHS tried to breach his office is a firewall and he issued a letter to the, to the Homeland Security Secretary Johnson asking for an explanation and Brian Kemp um, let's see here, well the attempt took place on November 15th a few days after the presidential election the office of the Georgia Secretary of State is responsible for overseeing the state elections. Now this is where it gets a little bit crazy here because again, you're looking at the at the Department of Homeland Security Allegedly, and this is based on the statements of the Georgia Secretary of State, claiming that DHS attempted to breach his office firewall, and uh, just just within a week or so after the November election, and they went into why. At no time, by the way, has my office, this according to the uh, Secretary of State for Georgia, has uh, agreed to or permitted DHS to conduct penetrating ex- exercises, testing or security um, exercises. Which this brings up a disconcerting thought yeah. about potentially. Well, what's again? And he goes on, on to say, this is especially odd and uh, concerning 
since I've served on the election cybersecurity working group that your office created. Yep. And it goes on to list, um, Department of Homeland Security has received Secretary Count's letter. DHS spokesperson told CyberScoop, we are looking into the matter. DHS takes the trust of our public and private sector partners seriously, and we will respond to Kemp directly. But this was only after this has gained some media traction because yeah. uh, this was back, the attempt took place uh, almost a month ago on November 15th, and uh, he's been looking for answers since they have found the attempted breach. And he thinks that this is um, something, some kind of payback for their Georgia's refusal for sovereignty over the election, not wanting the DHS interference into their presidential election with some kind of computer software that that would, would claim monitor oversight, voting. not, not yeah. interference. But oh, I thought know. it would claim it, uh, it would monitor for for computer interference in the election process if that's something right. they decided to go with. But um, Georgia said no. We we want uh, the sovereignty. Uh, we want to remain sovereign during this election process without any you know government interference. And um, uh, Kemp's chief of staff told Cyber Scoop that Georgia's Secretary of State office got a, lo- a lot of grief for refusing help from the DHS, and he is concerned that this could be some kind of backlash uh, for refusing help. Well, a, a very interesting. These are things that that seemingly are unimportant. You may not hear about them on the regular in the regular news media or you know the old media but but to me the, these are little uh, little dots that create part mm-hmm. of the larger picture and i think as dave hodges said earlier there are still things that that are kind of funky going on and i think we have to kind of keep our eyes open especially stuff like this yeah and what the pope said you know we we talked about that um, yeah, for the last few days, but I still I was thinking about this today. Well, when I got to the the office about how it, you know, is this um who you because you know, I was thinking about the terminology we spoke about the language the Pope used comparing uh, fake news and and even if it is true the news covering scandals against uh, pol- politicians and political groups is uh, yeah. equal to having some kind of infatuation with. Um, yeah, it's even tough to say. Yeah, ex, ex, human excrement. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was doing the dishes today. It wasn't when I was at the sea. I was doing the dishes today, and I was thinking, who talks like that? Who thinks like that? I mean, That's if I was going to compare something, I mean, never in when I, I mean, I might swear and say the S word, but not in the even in the context of it, you know. Yeah, and that's track. a very good point. Um, and th- and think about that in the context of the entirety of common. It's projection. Pizza, I think it's it, it's internal stuff that is projected because when you go back right. to the spirit cooking, the, I mean it's all this. too convoluted and connected. But you know, I was thinking, you know, who who does who who acts and talks like that? Um, unless there's yes. something more going on there. Uh, and and that, that's a good. Point. And there was some music lyric I heard that I don't know if it was a commercial or uh, maybe it was a radio, but. Because I, I thought, you know, that's an odd statement to make for a regular some some person, and then uh, kind of tied into the Pope. But it is, um, it's confusing. Uh, and yeah. he he even apologized for the terms he used, saying, you know, he was using psychological terms and trying to. Uh, there was some backpedaling it appears. But yeah, he uh, that, that's projection. Uh, it because the Catholic Church has always been involved in. Um, covering up their crimes when it comes to child abuse and child sexual abuse and even child sex trafficking. And they are probably, you know, um, 
one of the oldest institutions that historically has done this uh, regularly. It's involved in it. I, I want to end tonight's program by assuring everyone that we will, and Joe, I, I think that uh, together we are going to present uh, as much documentation. And again, I don't like to refer to this as Pizzagate because it's bigger than that. I don't really care for that that term. Now that Twitter has taken that down, you know, the hashtag Pizzagate, maybe it, maybe we can change that particular I don't know, designation. But, yeah, Breitbart Gate. But I, I think, folks, I think what we need to do, because this is so important within the structures, uh, government structures, and I remember a lot of people talking about uh, about this with this worshiping to different gods, small g, and inside the inside the different uh, government agencies. I think we have to really put together a comprehensive summary of authenticated, validated information, and put it together and submit it, and keep after it. And we are going to keep after it. That's you can count, you can guarantee. Now, we, we, Tara from London is going to be joining us tomorrow. And uh, we've got a great show lined up for you tomorrow. So please come back, listen to us tomorrow, watch us tomorrow. And uh, in the meantime, please stay safe and uh, hug your wife, hug your loved one, hug your husband, daughter, son. Stay safe. God bless. Until tomorrow.